Thanks for downloading this podcast. podcast. It's for personal use only and must not be rebroadcast, reproduced or used in any form without permission. Tell your friends they can get their own copy by searching iTunes for Radio Le Mans or visiting RadioLeMans.com. The world's longest running motorsport magazine show, Midweek Motorsport. News, features, special guests and analysis from the experts. Formula One, sports car and endurance racing, rallying, touring cars and bikes. If it has wheels and an engine and they keep score, it's on Midweek Motorsport. Oh, sorry about that. I didn't fill myself up. Uh, good evening and welcome along to Midweek Motorsports. Oh dear, see what happens when you don't know what time zone you're really on. Uh, it is Midweek Motorsports Series 11, episode 41. I'm John Hindup. Just after 8 o'clock here in the UK, Greenwich Mean Time. And the rest of the world is caught up. And uh, so you should all be on uh, listening to us now if you're not. Bad luck. Uh, and up in London is our executive producer, Tim Gray. Good evening, Tim. Good evening, John. And on the packed programme tonight, we have what? We have all the usual features. We have right. all the news. We have uh, regular contributors, uh, including Formula One correspondent Nick Damon. Good evening, Tim. Good evening, everybody. Graham Goodwin and Marshall Pruitt. Yeah. Uh, we will have some news in Spanish. Oh. And most importantly, we are going to be looking at this a little bit later. And that wasn't the right keyboard even, let alone the right button. Ah, our nominations. The only nominations that count. This is the music for the Man of the Year show, which happens in two weeks' time uh, in this uh, time slot. So that would be the 23rd of November. Right. Write new diaries now. Okay. Uh, so tonight we will be asking John, Nick, and Graham for their nominees yep. in six categories. Uh-huh. Uh huh. And uh, that will be uh, sometime in the second hour of the show. Uh, once we've got those nominees, we then open it up to you, the listener, because, of course, we have the listeners' award as well. Yeah. Uh, so we want uh, some suggestions as to who you want uh, to choose from for the listeners' award. Next week, we will open the voting once we've uh, picked some people for the listeners' award. Uh, in addition to all of the nominees or nominations uh, that come from Graham, Nick and John tonight. So that's the uh, Man of the Year show uh, two weeks time but I think we need the to fun just call starts it today. Do we not just need to call it the best of the year show? Because if we haven't got a we haven't got a woman of the year anymore so it's just the people of the year show. And I, do, I kind of don't like that. So is What, it not what does Time Magazine call, call their cover? The end of the year show? The end of the world show. Uh, I'm, I'm sure I, Time I Magazine calls it Man of the Year, does it not? Alexander Orkin, no apologies, travelling home after a good day of composite car engineering. Shh. Jack Gabriel, oh, you normally get the podcast, Jack, but listening live for the first time. 
Uh, listening live to Midweek Motorsport. Looking forward to some good sports car news after the disastrous news today uh, about Toblerone. Yes, good point. That was yesterday. Well, yes, I know, but he's making a point, isn't he? He's making a point. Uh, what else have we got in our housekeeping this evening? Uh, hello to Carol Brink, listening live. Uh, Shea Adam, listening live. Uh, F1 and WEC fan, listening live. Uh, Scott Lee says, apologies for absence. The missus picked a poor time for the family Christmas photo. Stream is not an option, as my phone has a hinge. How long does it take to to do the family forward. How big's the family? And also, it's nowhere near Christmas. Yeah, but you know, you have to take the photos, you have to get them developed, choose which one it is, then get them developed. Into developed. This is Nick the Damon. This is <laughs> <laughs> this is the early adopter. Look, the, the man with the big top hat has to do the gunpowder flash the on the kinetoscope. You know, it's very difficult, you know. Another first time listener live, Green Ingleby tonight. Apologies for the lack of absence. Uh, Jesse's in the house as well. Uh, who else have we got tonight? Rob Jane not listening live, having to work, but we'll have the podcast on in the classroom. The podcast? Podcast. Uh, and the podcast in uh, the classroom this week. Uh, James B says, I'm going for a run, and Midweek Motorsport will be the entertainment. Need help up the hills. Go on, James. Go on. Up the hill. Get your head down. Lean into it. Lean into it, man. Uh, Lousy's car says, apologies for absence. Busy setting up an Aussie refugee camp. For emigrating US sports cars. They're all going to Canada, I heard. Yeah. Uh, listening live. Listening live and excited tonight after purchasing my Le Mans 2017 tickets today, says Nicky Swan. James Foster says, tonight's bed. Sorry, tonight's really? plan. Plan? What? Sorry, I'm, I've read an You're awful lot today. You're thinking about bed, aren't you? Already. Already. Tonight's plan, kids in bed, night off, so listening to Midweek Motorsport. Well done. Uh, can I advise you also pour yourself a drink? Yeah. Uh, apologies for absence, says Thomas Pitt. Will be attending the Aero is Society. That, is that Thomas Pitt the younger or Thomas Pitt Very the good. elder? Uh, attending Aero Society lecture on the work of the AAIBGov.uk. Oh, they're great. I really like them. Yeah. Uh, I like their contribution to uh, one of my favourite uh, Canadian TV shows. Right. Excellent. Uh, Jacob Brown is uh, absent a day listening to the podcast on the way to Seattle tomorrow. Okay. Uh, that, so thank you for all of those. Apologies for absence tonight. And uh, already share uh, who is chasing James. That's the only good reason to run if you are being chased. Fair point. And uh, Chris Smith says he's tuned in for Midweek Motorsport. Popcorn at the ready in case you go off on another rant. There's another reason that uh, you should run, hmm? if you think you're going to win. What's the point of running if you're not going to win? What's uh, the point of doing anything Jackie, if you're not going to win? That'll, that'll be Jackie Warnock. Coffee is on down under. Apologies for absence in India again, uh, but looking forward to the podcast. Chris Suku. Enjoying a reprieve from the real world, says Adam Green. Uh, mid- for lis- uh, listening live to Midweek Motorsport. Uh, Ele Filippone, no apologies, listening from the CAD lab at the college or university. Motorsports Personality of the Year show. That's it. Well done, Nick. That's what we'll be calling it. It's the. It's not uh, about personalities, though. Motorsport People of the Year. People and Things. People of the Year. Another first time live listener, <laughs> Jemmy, uh, Jeffrey Remlinger, listening live from North Carolina. That swinging state, obviously. 
Uh, ben Clark is tuned in and listening to There's some. Nothing wrong with a bit of swing. Juicy sports Frank car news. We will have some sports car news later. Will we? Really? This should go sports car news. I can't believe it. Paul we try not Gibbons to. Watching live. I've just got my. Watching one. live. Do you want watching to have some live. swimming music? It says that. Oh yeah. Watching live as I just got my one-year-old daughter to sleep. Oh blimey. Shh. Pour her a drink. Cowpole. Mm. No, Paul Parkman no, trying to listen in. <laughs> Another route road keep keeping it to see it's not cowpole. Uh, right, let's have our top story then. Okay, let's get rid of that then. And we'll have the All of the action. Ooh, that's All not the latest news cool. from the pits and paddock. Informed comment and analysis. There is only one. All the latest <laughs> motorsport news from around the world. Midweek motorsport. Someone's changed the order of my buttons. And moving right along. Um, where do I want to start? Let's start with Formula players. One news. Hooray! Yay! You can't go hooray. My, I've only got one thing on this show that's going hooray. Okay. <laughs> we'll edit me out later. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Carry on. If only I could. Um, Thanks. Uh, this is going well. We Story. have uh, we have uh, we have a driver confirmed for 2017. We have several drivers confirmed for 2017. Yes, but Why one which we didn't know about when we did the show last no. week. No, ah, was well, one one this evening I didn't know about. Joe, Joe's Joe, and one's really surprised me. I I must admit, if you turn around, going, do you think Julian Palm will be driving next year? I said yes okay, for Uber, but uh, no, he's in F1 uh, because effectively. In the battle for the second uh, Renault seat, he was fighting uh, Kevin Magnussen and Esteban Ocon, and it looks like Kevin Magnussen is going to, going to sign for Haas for a couple of years, and Esteban Ocon is going to sign for Force India. So his competitor just disappeared, and he was left again. Hello, uh, Joe here. Uh, I, I, I know that, but I know the way to Endstone, and I, I like the car. <laughs> Another year, please. And then his dad wrote a check. So hang on. So why can't I hear myself? Hang on. <laughs> So basically, yes. yeah, he, no, I'm not even going to go there, forget it. Uh, but all his competition just disappeared. There yes. were no other nominations for that well, they, uh, of the people, seat. Of the people they wanted to have in the car, and I think you know, Palmer has not done as badly as his results would suggest, because that is a very poor car. Uh, he got. He's, he's been comp- comprehensively outperformed by his teammates. Well, he hasn't he no, has he scored was, a he point he now, hasn't he? Was, he? Yeah, he was outperformed at the beginning of the season, and then, which is kind of you expect with a second-year uh, race against a first-year race. But then he got a lot more even. And whilst I would say the highest highs would be Magnussen, I'd also say the lowest lows be Magnussen. And I think that, and they bet the if you took it like the last ten races, they've been very very similar. Uh, with the, the average, but the average probably slightly better for Joe. So he's done, and yeah, it's good, 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 good to get him in the, in the uh, another year. We've got a couple of rookies, which I always like to see, and uh, it gives him a chance with what should be a significantly better car, not a race winner, I wouldn't think, but a significantly better car to prove what he can do. I need to support him because he's a GP2 champion, and they need to get promoted. Otherwise, it's pointless. Unless you've got 80 million. Oh, oh, you talk, was was the one you were talking about the world's richest person? No, I was talking about Julian Palmer. Ah, right, no, we talked about that last week. We told everybody he was going to get the job last yes, week. Yes, we hadn't found out about how much it had cost, have we? No. This is Lance Stroll. That, who is the European Formula 3 champion yeah. and therefore a very good driver. No, and, no, that's true. And certainly not the Giovanni Lavaggi of uh, 2016. Johnny Washing Machine, as his mm. name actually was. Uh, but it does. it has emerged that he has... 
they reckon that they have spent something in the region of eighty million dollars preparing him for this. He has had over the course of five years. He's had his own F1 car, trolling around seven different circuits with two Mercedes engineers and f- some great number of mechanics from Williams, the 2014 car. Basically, you know, do you remember when there was testing, proper testing, what mm. we should have now, and they'd let the young drivers do the proper testing in the cars? Uh, so the teams used to pay for that, to get the, the drivers tested up and, and ready. To, and, but no, now you have to have a billionaire father. It's the same thing, really. So he's, uh, he's going to start in F1 with lots and lots of miles underneath his belt which means he should be um, up and running. And it's obviously good news for Montreal and the Canadian Grand Prix because they get people in, mm. prepared to pay more, even though it's a great track and shouldn't be under question. And as we said, so yes, I think I think that now means that the only... Whilst the, we haven't actually got ink on paper, but we do know who's going to go where, the only seats up for grabs now are the two Manor seats and one at Sauber because we are pretty much certain that Ericsson will stay at Sauber next year so there's still three seats to go so it'll be interesting to see who gets those as they fill up filling up fast roll up roll up it's F1 2017 with brand new fat wide cars you mentioned it was important uh, to uh, promote the GP2 champions yes most GP2 champions have been in Formula 1 as well yeah, it's much better than Formula 3000, uh, as far as that's if you, if you look at the champion in 2005, the first season of GP2... Mr. N. Rosberg, wasn't it? Yes. And, and 2006 and 2007... Don't know, I've lost it at this point. That was uh, Mr. T. O'Glock. Yes. Uh, <laughs> and then uh, in 2008, uh, Mr. G. Pantano. Yeah, I think it will. Uh, 2000. Well, he'd been in Formula One beforehand, of course. Yeah. 2009, yeah. Mr. N. Hulkenberg. No, yeah, he was. Yep, yeah, that's good. I'm doing right. 2010, Mr. P. Maldonado. Yes, better. And still, he was much better than he ended up being. Than the reputation he ended up with. Uh, 2011, Mr. R. Grosjean. He still end up being a P2 driver. Roman, yes. And of course, last year, Mr. S. Van Dorn. Yes, he's back in again. Who, who, about 12, 13? Give, give me the rest then. Well, there's uh, Mr. J. Palmer, of course. In 14. Um, and 12 and 13, we probably don't want to talk so much about. Yes, because they didn't get through. Because why um, was it Valsecchi? Davide Valsecchi, who uh, lost out uh, on the opportunity of being in Formula 1 uh, to the driver who finished third that season. And what's happened to Valsecchi? He's doing IT, he just, uh, Sky Italia commentary. Mm. Yes, co- commentator. Uh, Esteban Gutierrez uh, did get to Formula 1, though. No, that was Mexican cash. Yeah. Um, as as the pesos just tanked, that's probably not going to happen again. Um. And uh, so did Max Chilton from the same year. Mm-hmm. Yes, that was uh, insurance money. Um, and so did, an uh, so did Gede van der Garde from the same year. And that was Dutch father-in-law money. And then 2013, it was won by Fabio Lima. He's not even got close, has he? He, he only got no. as far as um, a rebellion drive. So he's, he's certainly been the least successful in my mind. But the uh, Marcus Ericsson uh, was also in GP2 that year, and he got into Formula 1. Yes, but again, because he's got a lot of cash. As did Rio Javianto. Mm-hmm. Best Welsh driver ever. And uh, Philippe Nazza. Banco de Brazil. And, uh, yeah, that's it. Right. 
Well, I mean, Alex Rossi did part season in 2013, but that doesn't really count, does it? No. But anyway, so it's good news for those drivers who are in. And, uh, yes, it's all shaping up now. We've got two races to go. We've got Brazil this weekend. Kind of would normally, in a normal season, you would expect it to be a good race for Nico Rosberg. So you mm-hmm. should get it, but uh, he's, I think his mind's a little bit um, gone over-conservative at the moment. What's happened seven times in the past at Interlagos? Rave. Safety cars? No. Uh, the man on poles broken down? No. Um, uh, signage has fallen into the front of uh, yes. Rubens Barrichello. That's only <laughs> happened twice, and only <laughs> once uh, with Rubens Barrichello. Stray dogs are being humanely rounded up because the world press is watching, and then taken somewhere else to be shot. People have had their jewellery stored. I believe that's, that's happened more that's than not seven, seven times. times. <laughs> that's about seven times a day. Go on then, Tim. Naysayers have been thrown at the back of the Von Blanc. <laughs> uh, the answer is the Formula One Drivers' Championship has been decided. Oh, okay. So that's given uh, that's quite good given that Brazil's been a long time at the start of the season. So yes. <laughs> so seven up until about two thousand and three, I think it was the first race of the season, wasn't it? It did alternate. It was it was the back end of the season a few years ago. We had a very long run at the front. Yeah. I think back in Mansell's day, it was towards the back end of the season. Um, well, I, I, I mean, you know, I say normally I would expect this to be one of the races which Rosberg would do better than Hamilton. Hamilton's never won in Brazil, um, which is odd because he's won apparently he's won in something like twenty-four or twenty-five different tracks. He's won on, which isn't bad. Um, he's currently equal. He has he has the equal number of different tracks he's won on as uh, Michael Schumacher. So if he actually wins this one, he'll go to top of the list of tracks you've won on. Obviously, there's a lot more variety now and bigger chance with the coming and goings of the uh, the uh, independently funded or the government funded tracks. But uh, yeah, I really, I, I, my personal thing is I, I believe that uh, it'll go to Abu Dhabi, um, but uh, I think that Rosberg will get two second places. John still thinks it's going to be a twist, don't you, John? Oh yeah, uh, which l- may involve a Sauber. Well, Tim O'Glock's not there, so. <laughs> what are Sauber aiming to do this weekend? Do something different. Are they? No, literally, they have decided they're, go- they're just going to be deliberately perversely different to see what happens. And in fairness to them, if they do the same thing, they get, get the same, the same result, result, and they have to get a point. They have to get in the top ten. So to do it, they've got to do something just different, and they got. They so were eleventh last time. So they're going to short fuel the car and put super softs on and lead for a bit. That you can't short fuel the car in modern F1 because you stop. You can't refuel. That wouldn't get them points. That's that, that isn't an option they have. Could if the race was stopped early. Yeah, but you wouldn't have your second get. car cause such a big accident that the race has to be stopped. If no you, if you one only got is ever going to cause an accident in their second car to help the first car get more points, John. That's just ridiculous. You could just have someone. Never happens in Formula One. But I don't know what you talk, Honestly, if you're going to talk rubbish, John, you're you're off the program. Okay. If um <laughs> if it was stopped too early, they'd only get half a point, and uh, that wouldn't be enough. Mm, good point. So I'd like half a sixpence. It's not. But no, they, 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 they obviously try to try and get themselves in the top five or six, and they would get three points or four points as a half score. They'd have to be a pretty massive accident um, to uh, to stop a race in Brazil. Okay. Really? Yes, because it's not it's not a street track. Let's face it. A few years ago, there was a pretty massive accident, and the race still finished. 
No, wasn't that on the red flag one when they had? To, you talk about it a lot of years ago when Alonso hit Weber's accident. Yes. No, they they stopped it. Well, Weber has made a bit of a and they a, got confused. A habit of, they got confused. An gave it to Raikkonen and then had to give the race back to Fisichella at the following race. Yeah. I think Jordan's last win, wasn't it? There's still going to be a race where um, Rosberg doesn't finish. Yes, but I'm afraid that's going to be next year. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. Staying with F1. Yes. Yes, you ask the question, though. Oh, you want me to tell you what the next story is? Yeah. Uh, well, let's be all parochial and talk about Silverstone. Right, I wasn't, I wasn't going there, but okay, fine. Is Silverstone is... It's easy for you to go there. It's only a few miles away. Well, yes. It's close to me. It is close to me, yeah. Not me now, because we're the same distance apart, but... <laughs> yeah, because you're sitting next to... Well, no, you're actually slightly closer. Yeah, oh, yeah, I've got about... By about three feet. <laughs> Uh, Silverstone, who's buying... Sil- this could be our new game show, couldn't it? Who's, <laughs> who's buying, buying Silverstone, Silverstone this week? Uh, well, who's not buying who's Silverstone? Not buying Tata. Uh, Jaguar Land Rover. Jaguar Land Rover have Tata uh, withdrawn. Yes. Hasn't, and Lawrence has withdrawn, apparently. Lawrence Tomlinson has withdrawn because they weren't going to sell it to him. The Pope's withdrawn because he's happy with that. I, I'm not buying Silverstone. Oh. I just want everyone to know right now... Any minute now, you're going to say your uh, rugby career is over. My international <laughs> rugby career <laughs> is, in fact, over. Although I'm still hoping to get picked <laughs> for the uh, Test Series. Uh, okay. I would... Uh, so, so who is actually left? I, w- I would suggest that I'm not going to buy Silverstone. But I do mm. have this plan. Uh-oh. Mm. I'm going to build a circuit. Is it going to be in Wales? It doesn't matter where it is. Uh, I'm going <laughs> to build a circuit and some other country's government is going to pay for it. Is it going to be in some other country? Oh, no. It'll, it'll be paid for by uh, the government of a country uh, that's not the country it's in. This is a fabulous plan. Uh, can I have a cut? Worked for Portimao, didn't it? Mm-hmm. Fair enough. And Wales. Although Wales isn't a proper country, of course. And it hasn't actually built its track yet either. But they've managed to embezzle 7 million quid. Or, sorry, they've managed, they've managed to get 7 billion quid already. Wales is a region, isn't it, really? It is a really nation. Wouldn't go there. Really wouldn't go there. It's a nation. Does that make it a country, though? It's or a is nation. it a country, not a nation? No, it is a nation. It's part of Great Britain. Yes. It's part of the United Kingdom of uh, Great Britain, Northern which Ireland. Is a, which is a kingdom and a state. Well, therefore, surely and a country. Well, Wales is or a as nation. much a country as England, isn't it, then? <sighs> but is it? Yeah, because uh, we have the same status, don't we? England and Wales. Eve says she's buying Silverstone. Oh, is she? Oh, okay, super. Well, that, Excellent. That'll improve the catering, no end. Uh, Apparently, and so is her wife. <laughs> oh, dear. Uh, so, it looks like... Uh, the reason I was asking about the Wales thing is because we had the Wales Rally GB, which wasn't the Wales Rally GB anymore. No, it's just, well, it's Northern Wales. Like flung them where it is and, it and a bit of England because it wasn't sponsored by the Welsh Assembly Government it was sponsored by an insurance company well the title sponsor wasn't the Welsh Assembly Government not true fair point well so made. your under the impression going back on topic dramatically is that Mr J Palmer whose son has just got a drive uh, is now trying to buy one of the tracks we're driving on next year yes has he got enough money to satisfy the badly run drivers club he uh, he's uh, put Bedford Autodrome up for sale. Has yes, he? he? Has. Are we going to build houses on it? They yes, are. we are. Yes, yeah, lots of houses. Certainly, what lots of houses. I quite, I really like that track. Mm. Maybe you should buy it. 
and instead of building yeah. houses on it, that you should keep his well, like to to again, I'm, not, I'm not quite sure where you think my finances are at the moment, but well, uh, I can't afford to buy Bedford Autodrome. And you definitely can't afford to buy Silverstone. How no. much is it up for sale for? Nobody knows. And what would you get? Nobody knows. Ah. Have you got planning permission? You've it's so you a, can't it's a long lease. So you can't pop down the local estate agents and, and sort of, you know, Desrez, one careful owner... Never used on a Sunday. Own driveway. Two yeah. careful owners if you include the RAF. Lots of garaging. convoluted driveway, but... <laughs> lots of garaging. Yes. Park up to... Scope for improvement. Park up to 100 cars, probably. Does need updating. Yeah, in need of some re- of some modernisation. Yes, particularly on the uh, on the bathroom front. Mm. Yes. And the central heating and electrical, oh, I would say. Yes. Well, I'd say heating's only a problem in the winter. Well, that is most houses, really, isn't When it? you need the heating. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Uh, do you know, I've never had a heating problem in July. I don't have a heating problem now. Because today it's warm enough to haven't switched it on. Blimey, London must be different from where we live, then. Right, moving on. Formula One's yeah. sale to Liberty Media, yes. which will become renamed as Formula One. Right. Right. Um, is being investigated yes. potentially. Well, Th- this is the. Um, there's been some fishing, hasn't there? Has there? The Competitions Commission. The Competitions and Mergers Authority. The yes. CMA. CMA. Not the Country Music Awards, which really confused me when I saw that they were looking into it because I thought, <laughs> why is somebody in Nashville even remotely interested? And they're just trying to find a way that Taylor Swift doesn't win everything. Ah, very good point. Um, but no, Has she so been nominated for non-drive of the year? In fairness, if she oh, was involved yeah, in Formula sorry. <laughs> if she'd been involved in it, there'd be more eyeballs on if it. If you're really... If actually, that's not funny. That's not true, because actually Taylor Swift did more for attendance at the Grand Prix, a Grand Prix this year than anybody else. That's right. So in fact, in many ways, she was non-driver of the year, if you're in Austin. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So the com- the complaints and mergers association. Yes, they, they basically said they Country think they awards. think there might be something amiss with Liberty Media taking over F1 because Liberty Media own everything, uh, other things. But though I don't really see the direct competition, so because they don't really know, but they want to get they want to be well known. I mean, the papers. Uh, they said you've got about three weeks. You've got any problems with it? anybody? Got any problems with it? Fifth of January. I thought it was twenty first of November. Fifth of January, they say. Oh, okay. will make it. Uh, That's when they make their decision. But yes, they, they've, they asked, they've got two or three weeks to, 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 pub- to say what. What public wrong. submissions are? Yeah. Closing sooner. Yeah, they're going. So, so if you've got any reason why you might think it's a bad idea, or you know, might infringe on competition, just tell us because we can't do our own job. We've got to find out from somewhere else. What else did Liberty Major own? Eurosport and uh, Virgin Media and Discovery. Bit of Channel Discovery 5. Channel. That's good, excellent. Well done. Keep going. Uh, oh, uh, loads a baseball of team. Massive amounts of American TV. Uh, XM Sirius. I don't think forget as well, that don't all they? these things XM are owned by the actual same company. Yeah. Uh, the bit that's bought Formula One is basically the baseball team. Ah, uh, is it? Yeah. Uh, Englewood Col- uh, Columbia own Color Company owns 19.1 currently. Uh, and that is part of them, apparently. Yeah, but like everything, it's a labyrinthine set of sub-companies and everything else. Mm-hmm. Do you want to mention the word Delta Topco? Uh, Almost certainly. Or Prima, and pr- what Prima Promo, or whatever, isn't it? And what, uh, it's, uh, John Malone, of course, is the guy at the head of Liberty Media. And what is he going to do to get Formula One, uh, Formula One auto racing, 
the, yeah, co- hey. the company said, we are going to get it back on its feet mm. and help grow interest in Formula One yes. auto racing. The company said yesterday, what are they going to do to do it? Copy MotoGP. And do what? And allow you to buy an all-season access pass wherever you are in the world. So they're going to... Stream it. Yes. Apparently. Right. <laughs> a bit, 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 bit behind the time. Some people around here have been streaming for years. Um, yeah. I mean, I think it makes sense. By the way, it's the Atlanta Braves. They're They're a baseball team, are they? Yes. They are a baseball team. See, I was right. So the Atlanta Braves have bought Formula One. Mm. Although the Liberty Stake in Atlanta Braves uh, showed revenue fell by 8.4%, barely $109 million. Yeah, they're doing all right. I think it's fair to say. But yeah, so Mm. it looks like they're going to try and actually uh, run... uh, so anyone can see F1 in a multi-channel format by paying a subscription a la I say MotoGP does it at the moment not GeoBlock so even if your country has a uh, a premium service you can still pick it up and watch it mm. it's quite good I think that's something that they're looking at ok lovely don't do it well they have to, to, they, they have to do something don't they as we discussed on the show last week if you haven't seen it go back uh, listen to Midweek Motorsport it's exactly half past eight uh, this is Series 11, Episode 41. I'm John Hindorf. Nick Damon is just off to my right, geographically, not necessarily politically. And down up in London is uh, is our executive producer, Tim Gray. The responsible adult is uh, sending us messages. Is she? That's all we can say about that. In a bottle. Yes. Uh, moving on. Um. Is it time for Graham Goodwin? I'm just seeing if there's any more Formula One news. I don't think there is. Um, Three drivers confirmed. Because if, yeah, if I look through what else there is, there's not much. No, there, there really isn't much at all. Everyone's now just waiting to see whether Rosberg you don't want to know about. Can he win it this weekend? Yes. So he's just got to win this weekend. He needs I think. to finish seven points ahead of Lewis. So winning the second will do it. But obviously, right, there's okay. many other uh, many other uh, combinations with Lamb to win the championship. Do you want a story about Christian Horner's wife? Yes. Is that Jerry Horner, who's pregnant? Again? No. Still. Never. <laughs> All right, still. All right. <laughs> Where did again come from? Well, she, pregnant she, like that she was pregnant a, a couple of weeks ago when we <laughs> were talking about it. Remarkably, she's still pregnant. Is she? Yes. That seems to be going on for a long time. <laughs> I know, it's amazing, months, isn't it? Months and months and months. Almost as long as a Formula One season. Nothing's right, as long okay. as that. Nothing's as long as that. Uh, Graham Goodwin, then. Uh, I'll try for that whilst you're talking well, about you Jerry Horn. Now you've got you, you have you have piqued my interest. Oh, she's been posing for photos, uh, selfies on Instagram or something. So, sorry, what in a Red Bull outfit? Uh, it, I haven't seen the pictures. Do you see Christine Horner's um, uh, Facebook Live walk around the history of Red Bull? Oh, lovely! All twelve cars. I'll tell you what we haven't covered, and which we were going to do when we were talking about Silverstone. Yes. Uh huh. Imola. Yes. What it's about dropped, it? It's dropped. It's, it's dropped it all. Really? It was previously taking legal action against the uh, CSAI, the Italian automobile organisers, because they were subsidising or or backing. They were favouring Monza. Yes, Monza over there. Right. But they've now dropped the. Uh, I'm sure they, they they've dropped it either because of an exceptionally good lunch or a backhander. Um, and uh, that means one of which you can definitely get in Italy. <laughs> you definitely can, and and given the fact that, uh, yeah, anyway, um, so that means that Mons will be fine, and they'll sign their three-year deal, and uh, we'll have 
one of the historic circuits saved. I believe we're going to talk to Graham Goodwin. Meantime, next. Uh, Graham, I think Graham Goodwin is on the line. Graham, can you hear us? I can. Good evening, everybody. Now, I'm not sure if uh, Tim can hear us. Uh, back in London at the moment. Uh, I certainly can't hear Tim. Oh, you can. Okay. Excellent. So he can hear us. That's the main thing. Uh, good evening, editor of Daily sportscar.com type person a good evening a person in charge of the twiddly bits on regular mum yes indeed. very formal start yes it very was um, well we uh, we have done uh, lessons in love which was uh, Nick talking about uh, Lewis and lessons in love yes that? very good um, wait wait you'll find out oh ok uh, and uh, now we're going to talk about the Chinese way <laughs> oh, with uh, Graham Goodwin oh, no. uh, who spent a couple of weeks uh, but it over it, <laughs> I would have feared you down if you're going to sing. I was going to say, did Graham Goodwin spend a couple of weeks with Mark King on the Isle of Wight? There you go, very good. Mark King was level forty-two, slap basing his way around things. Yeah, fantastic. Uh, and Marshall Pruitt, of course, uh, will be talking about us things running in <laughs> the family. Not level forty-two. When now uh, we get to IndyCar <laughs> later on. Uh, China, China. Uh, is the uh, is the buzzword uh, another good race at the weekend? WEC. Yeah, I think a pretty good race. It, it I think don't think it matched up to uh, the extraordinary scenes we saw in. Uh, we were in robbed. We were robbed. We were a bit two punches, and it, it could have been all very different. But uh, but it was a pretty good race. Uh, I think we're getting rather spoilt with the WEC though. So. Even one that's you know actually just a, a, a good race seems like a bit of a downer, but uh, no, it was a pretty good race, and it shows again that uh, Toto back to form. Audi had an absolute mare, absolutely terrible race from Audi, uh, some of which I'm afraid was rather self-inflicted, mm. um, and obviously you know not the result that we, we uh, well, sorry they and I think we with our hearts on our sleeves in terms of where what we feel about most of those people we won't be seeing next year um possibly could and should have got um in in fairness what we did get though was and and I'm delighted to say this um that we we got a race at the front of the field that in terms of Toyota versus Porsche next year is actually quite uh, quite exciting, really, isn't it? I think so. I mean, you know, uh, Point made very clearly uh, in a round table with the, the kind of the permanent media um, pack at, uh, at Shanghai with Gerard Nouveau, uh, Lindsay Owen Jones, who's the president of the Insurance Commission, but Point made by Pierre Fion is just look back at history and mm. there's so many times that it's been one factory against one other that's given you kind of classic eras Audi against Peugeot uh, Porsche against Ferrari Ford against Ferrari Porsche against its own privateers of course with the 960 and, and Porsche against Jaguar later on in the decade yep. so you know um, we, we've got good reason to be sad John but not particularly a reason to be desperate the, the difference is that there's not the cabal of privateers to support the factory teams now there's two answers to that mm -hmm. number one is look at the potential speed of the P2s next year, mm -hmm. and particularly the WEC, I think we're going to see probably rather fewer proper 
um, silver ams, if you like, and rather more silver pros. That's certainly what I'm hearing from one or two of the teams. The second thing is that... Uh, That's mainly because they need the money to run the teams, though, isn't it? Correct, Amundo. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, they know darn well that they simply won't be competitive with the teams that don't go that way. Uh, the Sorry, and I should is, explain that because the difference between silver pros and silver arms is... Silver Pros tend to be XGP2 and GP3 drivers who actually have a budget and can bring money to an LMP2 team, where Silver Arms might, in fact, bring some budget but don't have access to the kind of money that a GP2 and GP3 driver has. Certainly not a commercial budget that uh, some of those guys have got. The the second point, though, is a point made again by Pierre Fion, where in response to a very open question, he did say that perhaps they had not done enough um, to encourage growth in the LMP1 privateer class, particularly in the wake of the revelations about how quick the new P2 cars are going to be, and that that was something they were looking at. It's late. I think he was guiding us towards the fact that probably going to be no solutions to 2017, but it's pretty clear that they feel the need to make a move to prop up, to re-encourage, reinvigorate, if you like, the LMP1 privateer marketplace. Truth be told, John, they've made a bit I've- of a haul at I've just realised we've got a solution to this and it's come to me in a moment of stunning clarity which is a bit unusual for me if I'm not in the smallest room in the house in the furnace. Um, What we need then is the 2016-17 equivalent of a Porsche 962. However, if that is not available, how about then, given that the ACO have mandated the new global LMP2 regs to be the Steve Austin of LMP2s, faster, higher, longer, quicker, more expensive. Exactly. All of that. Um, Okay, so we have those. Let's keep those, but let's not get rid of the current LMP2s and let's run them as the AM class. Yeah, it's a, it's a good thought, isn't it? The I think the you know, there's no reason at all why it shouldn't be suggested, other than the fact that unfortunately I think everybody's now moved on. Um, you know, it, it, the, 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 one of the bigger problems you're going to have with that, Sean, is the engine capacity uh, of the the places that are actually going to service these things, because of course Zytec are now busy. Sorry, Zytec. What am I talking about? Gibson mm-hmm. are now busy actually building those engines, and one of the bigger issues might be uh, building enough to accommodate the the wants and wishes of the teams that are planning to run them in the WEC, in the LMS and in IMSA, um, because the numbers are growing by the week still. I, th- I think we're talking double figures in both WEC and in LMS. I think we're getting close to uh, middle teens for LMS, probably closer to the bottom end of double figures um, if things come together in the WEC, and certainly more than a you know, a couple in, in IMSA as well. So that the formula is certainly taking off in commercial terms, not quite to the degree that LMP3 is. Um, Ligier have now sold an astonishing 76 <laughs> JSP3s uh, as of the weekend. Six which, of which, interestingly, is almost identically uh, how many 962s were uh, built by Porsche and sold to uh, private ears. Absolutely. 75. There you go. But uh, beyond that, there's a further double figures number to come to complete what I believe is a kind of a an order in terms of oh. a, order in terms of options for a Chinese LMP3 series. But these things are beginning to properly take off. And 
things are coming together. The problem they've got is the top end. Uh, the numbers are not strong enough. Should you have one of the another season like we've seen this season, bluntly for Porsche, where mm. actually quite often both cars have not been reliable. Um, come back to that in a moment. You mentioned the Chinese way, obviously Chinese LMP3. By the way, when is somebody going to take an LMP3 and try and break the 611 record of Stefan Belloff around the Nordschleife? Because that would be the right car to do it in. Well, don't mention it. Shh. Don't mention it to Lawrence Tomlinson. G57P2s out there. Even even as we... uh, As as we speak, it's been loaded into the back of a transit and sent down there now. Absolutely. Um, By the way, we'll be one of those cars in the 25 Hours of of Thunder Hill. Mm -hmm. Brian Herter is on the uh, list for that one. Very good guitar player, apparently. Indeed, together with young Parker Chase, uh, the race winner in Pirelli World Challenge for Genetta this year. It's but, a uh, ma- that's a made-up name. You know that that's not what he's really called, do you? Probably could. Dave Miggins is his real name. Um, the uh, Whilst we're talking about the Chinese way, um, Chinese GT, uh, Championship, t- million and a half euros up for grabs, uh, Asia GT series. Um, quite obviously, from what we saw at the very lovely uh, end of season or sort of middle of season um, awards dinner uh, celebration evening for Absolute Racing with Ingo Matter and his, and his family of of mechanics and teams and drivers because that's exactly what they are on Sunday night there is a business proposition to go motor racing in the Far East and in China in particular yeah, absolutely. I, I, you're quite right, John. I'm back after two weeks over there. I went across to take a look at the Asian Le Mans series, and that was um, an eye-opener. Eye-opener for two reasons. Eye-opener that Zhuhai has changed in very many ways as a city and not at all as a track, uh, other than a bit bumpier and fewer Audi signs around. But um, certainly the the scene over there is beginning to get momentum and Mm -hmm. two or three very sensible things going on one is that the asian amon series has realized that the words customer and service actually do work together as a concept um and the 29 cars we had on the final entry list i think will be well over 30 by the time we get to round two in fuji early next month uh the second thing was the most sensible thing i've heard this year in sports car racing which is the strategic alliance between the aco's asia le mans series and the uh, gt asia series something that we've been talking about on this show and beyond mm. for many many months if not years uh, and that what that was announced at the the calendar announcement for the 2017 18 uh Asian Le Mans series where we'll see uh, the expansion of the series to five rounds with the addition of another race in China um, and I was sitting next to Ingo Matter and to the guys from Clearwater Racing when that was announced and they both looked at each other and then looked at me and said absolutely sensible mm-hmm. um, and what this is going to mean is that the uh, the winners of the GT class in the Asian Le Mans series will get a free entry for the following year's uh, GT Asia wow. uh, likewise the GT Asia class uh, uh, overall winners will get a free entry to the GT class for the Asia Le Mans series and there will be a combined contest for the GT3 cars between the two so effectively a, a, an Asian GT challenge and the winner of that will be given an entry to the Le Mans 24 hours so there's some properly sensible stuff going on why 
well, you'd like to think it's because we're all great great guys and they like, like a bit of thigh-slapping evening action, but actually what it's all to do with is the latest notion from SRO, the Blonde Pan Series Asia, uh, which features the ex-partner of the um, GT Asia uh, board, uh, now uh, with SRO for their Blonde Pan Series Asia, and frankly, this is their way of basically saying, get your tanks off our lawn. Um, and in the, in the wake of uh, what is, you know, a highly organised organisation at uh, SRO, uh, clearly an, an expansive... I've heard uh, them called a lot of things, but not highly organised, Graham. That's an interesting take. Fair enough. But, OK, uh, they certainly know how to pull a grid together. And if, that, if that's in your marketplace, then mm. you best get busy making friends quickly. So certainly what we know is that, that uh, Stefan and co... Uh, in Asia, they're also, of course, involved in Pirelli World Challenge. They're involved with a new uh, GT4 series in France, uh, and they're involved with the Australian GT Championship now as well. Uh, what do we know about all these things have in common? They're all uh, fairly established series or races where there have been organisational problems. So uh, international res- rescue in the form of SRO t- turns up. And uh, all of a sudden, you're part of the family. Now, that's, sometimes it's a very good thing. Sometimes not so good. Well, I was going to uh, say a frying pan and fire could be. Well, uh, you know, it's. It, I think if your if your options certainly with the the state that probably will challenge was in a year ago, I'm, I'm not surprised they took the call. It's a straight and honest answer. But um, certainly in Asia, they've chosen uh, with uh, Asian Le Mans Series and GT Asia to go in a completely different uh, different uh, direction. And that one is going to be interesting to watch. As far as the scene goes, as far as the, the racing goes, John, it wasn't a bad race at all. It needs an, uh, another couple of strong LMP2s. Uh, Nearly 30 cars, it, though, in that Asian Le Mans series. Uh, race. The G, G, GT race was excellent. Went to the wire. Matt Griffin tried to chase down Marco Ciocci uh, at the end. Um, and, the, yes, they do need to, to think about uh, balance of performance. Need to think about driver standards in LMP3. Um, not the first series. I was going to say, that's not um, exclusive to that area of the world, though, is it? But they are expanding their summer uh, sprint series, which is designed to help to do just that. So Here's the thing I've noticed, Graham, and speaking to Ingo about this, and we've got an exclusive, sort of a combined long one and inside story type interview, because it's partially about Ingo and partially about absolute racing. Um, And we'll have that playing out in the next few weeks. Um... I what I think is the important part of what's happening with all of those series and the single manufacturer series such as the the Audi Cup, the Porsche Carrera Cup, um, all of those things is the development of local talent. Chinese drivers, Asian drivers. Yes, it's lovely to have Matt Griffin and Marco Ciocci there, and of course those guys have got to earn a living, but it's really nice to see an influx of local drivers who, you know, if there's anybody as as good as those that we've seen coming through, like people like Adelie Fong, who have been able to break out of the local scene and go on to things like Pirelli World Challenge, etc., that can have nothing but a positive effect. And the crowd numbers for things like uh, China GT, which does have full live coverage on uh, local television out there, are immense and hence the million and a half euro prize pot for that which let's not forget is a king's ransom compared to the sort of prize money we're seeing here in europe 
Well, yeah, I mean, you know, when we say local television, let's not forget, even if it's local to Shanghai, that's a city of 24 million people. So, you know, the audience is... So that was 2014. It's probably 50% up on that because every time we... Every 12 months since we've been there and they've built two new highways and another 50 bazillion houses since we were there last time. I don't think I went to the track the same time twice, the same way twice. And I certainly didn't go to the airport the same way that I went last year. Well, let's put it this way. I think certainly back, thinking back five years ago when we first went to Shanghai mm-hmm. with the FIWEC, and in truth, in terms of an event, bit of a joke. Empty stands, nobody gave uh, a monkey's uh, cuss about the thing. The only people that turned up off were on the Saturday for a celebrity race. Um, we, we've not been able to say that fairly for the last two or three years. Again, this time, John, the uh, main grandstand sections that were open were more or less full for the start of the race. And I noticed when I popped out uh, to see whether or not, yes, indeed, that was Jackie Chan at the back of the the commentary booth. Yes, it was. Um, Yes, it was. Um, And um, I noticed that that whilst the stands had emptied a little, that the spectator area behind the stand was pretty well full. So as an event, it's got legs. So it's beginning to take off. People are beginning to get it. People are getting the fact that, uh, you know, there is something available for them to take entertainment from, that there is certainly plenty of commercial involvement in motorsports um, in Asia, and it's on the, it's, it, and it's growing. And I think, you know, at the end of the day, it's time we stopped talking it down and started actually looking at what people are trying to do to actually build this up. You guys will know at Radio Le Mans how spectacularly uh, popular Super GT is with the audience that you guys have got mm. for the uh, the shows that uh, that you know you're still putting out for commentary there. Why? Because people are interested in something different. Uh, because people are interested in a series that really doesn't have an equivalent in Europe. Now the Asian Le Mans series does have an equivalent in Europe, but what it doesn't have is some of those teams. And, and the kind of comments that I kept seeing through the weekend were, "God, aren't some of those liveries fantastic?" Oh, that you know. Uh, uh, Basically, it was interest and uh, an analysis of just what is there that's new. What's there that's new is no arrogance, no assumptiveness, no entitlement in that pit lane or in that paddock. And it was an absolute pleasure to be there. I'll be back Mm. at Fuji. Um, uh, You mentioned the roundtable discussion uh, at uh, at the WEC in China, at Shanghai. Three more years there. And uh, you've, I think, just published on DSC the, the article, so we'll just send everybody there. Very interesting. Um, I thought the addition of Sir Lindsay Owen Jones, man at the head of the FI Endurance Committee, was interesting to the two that we're used to speaking to there, which would be Pierre Fion, head of the ACO, and, uh, of course, head of LMEM, uh, which are the people who look after the logistics and the running of the WEC and the ELMS for the ACO, and that would be Gerard Neveu. Indeed, indeed, and Sir Lindsay was very good. I mean, we covered a wide He's very enthusiastic of... as well, isn't he, about well, what he, he does. He's so a the... perfect man for the job. Well, he's an old racer, isn't he? He's yeah. a racer, he's, uh, he's a businessman that knows his stuff, he knows how to deal with uh, with committee, he ran L'Oreal for an awfully long time, he raced his own McLaren F1 back in the day, and and he was very straight with some of the answers. I mean, you know, a mixture, John, of some answers that had to be given. Look, you know, the, it was a revelation to us that it was coming this quickly. Uh, yes, we do realise we've got to respond quickly as well, but actually um, keen to make sure that people understood 
there were things that were progressing reasonably well. We talked about the prospect of the WEC being uh, awarded World Championship status for the GTE class. Mm. That's up for grabs. That will be, I believe, the next World Motorsport Council. We talked about, uh, as I say, that uh, you know the ACO were PFEON admitted that perhaps they hadn't done enough for the LMP1 privateers and that would be a mistake. Uh, what else was came out of there? Um, that uh, the reports that were out there that uh, Persia was lobbying for non-hybrid uh, lightweight LMP1 are nonsense, that all the debate and the uh, current discussion, so in other words, read for that, there is current discussion with Peugeot, is about LMP1H. So all of that stuff's out there. And the other thing, and I think the most interesting thing of all, John, it's worth reading Zalinzi's words on this one, happy to accept they need to look again at an entry point for manufacturers coming into prototype yep. racing. I do think it's interesting that they're going for World GT Championship status, recognising that four of the six manufacturers that are in the championship next year are in the GT Championship, and therefore, you know, there is a World Championship status that should be there for those guys. I, I think that's entirely, uh, entirely appropriate. Um, and, a case, and a case, John, that's only going to get stronger as agreed. more turn up. We, we obviously know now, because they've announced it, that BMW are coming. We wait to find out whether or not the Lamborghini GT program has survived the cull at uh, VAG. But that is a real thing. So mm -hmm. if that one happens, we wait also to find out. And of course, we've had some news this week of something that points in that direction as to what and when McLaren's interest levels might be peaked. So, you know, you could be talking... Uh, I've built that of okay, Porsche coming back uh, next year, we believe, with uh, with their car. That will be unveiled next week. Um, finally, 16th, the, isn't it? The 16th, that will be unveiled. And then we find out whether or not there might be something from Corvette in those stakes. Now, that makes up a pretty tidy total. And, of course, the more that come, the stronger the case. What is the case against it? Or what is the case opposing it? There's two things. Do SRO decide to do something themselves and uh, go back for World Championship? I don't think so yet. But we do know that Jean Tot has got his own idea for a World Championship featuring GT3 cars. My view, you either piggyback events that are already happening or you don't do it. Because actually adding further uh, fixtures to the, to, the, uh, to the calendar would be utter and complete madness. Mm. Um, I don't see any reason to do anything other than what you've already got, which is a world championship. Uh, we'll, we'll talk about Bahrain, the finale, um, probably closer to the time, so next week or the uh, the week after. You, you mentioned the uh, the situation regarding Lamborghini. Um, the Audi exit, the Auxit, um, is spreading its tentacles. The ripples are going further and further out. We don't know yet about Lamborghini and that GTE car. The GTE project certainly existed and I've heard contradictory stories as to whether the car has actually been built and has run or it's as close to as it could be. Um, however, that we just don't know about. But what I am hearing now, Graham, is, and you talked about BMW for the GTE programme, and you and I talked about their extraordinary uh, moves in the driver market with BMW um, who seem to be basically bleeding out as far as the experienced drivers of their uh, their program is concerned to with a, a headlong rush towards youth and and petulance um, but what I'm hearing uh, from 
now from BMW is that the Audi withdrawal has made them go back and look again at their LMP1 program. And a lot of people say, well, why would that happen? Well, the simple reason is they put half a million, sorry, 500,000 euros aside next year to design and develop an LMP1 hybrid car using uh, hydrogen technology. And you will have heard Pierre Fion talking about the extension of uh, hybrid regulations in 2018 to include hybrid. And now that program is on hold as they reevaluate because Audi isn't there. Not because there's one fewer manufacturers to beat, but because they feel that without Audi there, the the point of spending all that money is perhaps less appetite than it was before. I think I think the the answer I think you meant to say hydrogen rather than hybrid. John, Sorry, yes, hydrogen too. hybrid. But, yes, indeed. But I'm not sure it's coming that quickly. I think we're talking 2020, and I think the the kind of powertrain you're talking about realistically. Uh, in the next two or three years, the best they're going to achieve with that is a Garage 56 car. And, of course, there's a separate news item on that this week. But, um, you know, BMW, you know what? Come or don't come. You know, hmm. come. You know, If you want to show off that technology, this is the only place they're going to be able to do it. It's as simple as that. Um, you know, what we need now are manufacturers to stop playing politics and just decide. Stop playing politics. Stop trying to kind of um, load the deck because this is not going to be a formula where you're going to be allowed to come in and utterly dominate from day one. That's not the way this game is played. That's been the absolute key to the success of the FIWEC in its first five years. Yes. It's not going to be something that's going to be given up on the basis of... Well, as you pointed needing. out the weekend, we've had three different manufacturers winning the World, the World Championship, Championship for Mix. In five, in five years. Yeah. So what they're not going to do is to risk, and that's again very clear from this roundtable, um, they're not going to do is to risk actually annoying and irritating their current customers, uh, you know, Porsche and Toyota. They have been, it has to be said, fantastically involved and fantastically democratic mm. about the way these things have gone forward. And there's one other quick point, and mm -hmm. it's a really important one, that came out just from the blue with Lindsay Owen Jones, which she said, there is one opportunity this offers. And it might sound odd in the wake of cataclysmic news that we had. Uh, the opportunity it offers is this is there's the opportunity to do more with the resource they've currently got. Why? Because a very goodly proportion of the time that's been taken on regulation, which in no small part, I think, is at the um, at the uh, at the foot of the kind of the issue around LMP1 privateer. They just didn't use the time wisely. A, a goodly proportion of their available time was used in equalising diesel and petrol. They don't have to do that anymore. So point. all of a sudden, potentially, you've got a far more open debate about what could be done. What do I expect to be done? I expect some of the high cost, high maintenance uh, changes to move forwards. The the, uh, the three energy recovery systems uh, project, I suspect, despite the fact that some of that money has been spent, I think that will be binned. I think we will reel it back in. I think, uh, well, I say reel it back in, reel it back into roughly where we are now. Um, but I think there are going to be changes. I think they are going to be working hard to make this a more accessible formula. And I expect to see, well, I would hope we'll get an announcement within the year 
Um, uh, and the, the, the one that, of course, would expect that to be would be Peugeot. I would hope we get an announcement during the year that maybe, maybe we'll see something uh, coming to the fore in 18. If not, then very soon afterwards. Uh, stay with us, uh, Graham. We've got more sports car news to come in the second hour of Midweek Motorsport here on RadioLamont.com. Midweek Motorsport. And if you've spent the first part of the show counting, you should be up to 3,600 by now. And in the second half of tonight's show, Marshall Pruitt from Racer.com will be talking about uh, running in the family, the IndyCar second-generation drivers who are coming along bit of a silly season one for IndyCar as well some uh, sports car news from the US keep your tweets coming in to at Specutainment and at Radio Le Mans Graham Goodwin will be back with us uh, we've got our nominations for the Motorsport Personality of the Year Person of the Year show which comes up in a couple of weeks time and Nick Damon will be talking about some stuff as well because I've got him sitting here so I've got to kind of mention him it's all coming up in the second half of tonight's show it's Midweek Motorsport live on RadioLeMond.com Graham Goodwood is next Midweek Motorsport on RadioLeMond.com Graham Goodwood editor of DailySportsCar.com stays with us the uh, let's talk about some Le Mans news um, and some I think rather sad news uh, that starts the biogas project the garage 56 collected all of our poo uh, last weekend uh, last Le Mans weekend oh and now they've got nothing to do with it uh, they've got plenty of poo but not enough plenty of brown stuff but not, not enough green stuff to go forward apparently it, it looks that way there's nothing to wipe it away with oh very good so uh, but the paperwork uh, yeah, hasn't the- come through Indeed, the WR uh, project is not going to be uh, racing, I don't think, in 2017. Uh, Watch this space, though. Um, We've got some news coming on that in the next week or so. So I'm not going to say a word on this one at the moment, Mm -hmm. because I don't want the calls being made in places where other people might make those calls. But I'm pretty certain that we will have a Garage 56 car at Le Mans in 2016. Let's wait and see whether things come together. Um, the driver market, interesting at the moment. We talked about BMW. Oof, massively. Uh, and uh, by the way, the point I was trying to make about the, the BMW Audi thing is you might have thought, wouldn't you, that with Audi having gone and being a big, big spender, that it might encourage more uh, manufacturers to come. But rather like Porsche, it would seem BMW are saying to them, to the board or the board of seeing the motorsport what's the point of going to Le Mans if we don't beat Audi we don't have a PR and marketing um, return from it so the return on the investment isn't enough and, and the potential of Porsche of course um, walking away at the end of two, 2017 at the end of their program I think is real as well because I, I can't see that program being allowed to continue the internal politics of the Volkswagen Audi group. I, 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 I profoundly disagree. Really? Profoundly disagree. I, I, I think the spiteful politics of VAG has got to be put right and there will be a rebalancing. Uh, I think the answer here is that the Porsche programmes have got a stockade around them from Herr Müller mm. um, and uh, at the moment there doesn't seem any way whatsoever that those things are going to be reeled in. We'll wait and see, but I'm not even hearing a sniff that that's a possibility. Are they more or less likely to leave if they win Le Mans again in 17? 
Uh, I don't think that's even on their radar, John. I think it, the honest answer here is this this is the way they're now going to promote the brand uh, for, uh, going forward. And, you know, with the opportunity perhaps for a, um, you know, a slightly cheaper uh, development curve, then there's every encouragement to get, for them to continue to do that. Now, are they interested in Peugeot coming? Of course they're not. You know, you don't buy a Peugeot rather than a Porsche, do you? What they're interested in And they doing don't want to be beaten by a Porsche. Indeed, but... A Peugeot rather. Uh, what they don't want either um, you know what they want rather is utter domination you know uh, Porsche's modern racing racing reputation was built on the early days of Group C when they had you know almost utter domination and I think they'd like a bit more of that please yes you could be right Uh, you could be right Um, the driver market let's talk about the driver market can I just say you may um, don't they get enough of that in the Porsche Super Cup and Porsche Carrera Cup? Well, Porsche wins every time now. Mm. Mm. Um, that's up to yeah. Well, that's not going to stop any time soon, is it? No. And I, I think they will be told eventually to pick a programme and they won't be allowed uh, to have two. It, it might be the case, but for the time being, we've got the 919 with a lifespan ahead of it. There's a new GTE car, which I can tell you, it is normally aspirated. It is... Uh, mid-engined with the gearbox the engine effectively switched around um and you know from what we can understand at the moment there's no indication either that that's going to have its wings trimmed and we'll see those cars racing in both imps the wc if it is normally aspirated then it's doomed to failure from the start it's failure uh, it's a failure as a marketing exercise because their new cars are all turbocharged and it's a failure as a uh, as a sports car because it will be consistently beaten by the turbocharged cars and that's already caused a huge amount of unrest within Porsche Motorsport and people walking away in fact and uh, I I think that will be the death knell for the GTE project for Porsche if it is well, normally aspirated. Well, it is normally aspirated. Um, we'll wait and see. Uh, I think the the uh, the answer on that one is it was designed that way to anticipate changes in the regulations, which did not come to pass. Hmm. Interesting. They've basically been wrong-footed, John. Simple as that. Yeah. Well, they are wrong if they go normally aspirated and they won't win anything. Um, and that would be a disaster for that program because it needs to win to continue. So that actually might give me the an- that gives you the answer that maybe they'll continue with the P1 program because the GTE program will last a year and then get canned. Well, we'll wait and see, uh, but uh, the, the the answer is we'll we'll know for sure uh, in roughly a week's time, just as we're on a plane to Bahrain. Mm. Uh, driver market. Let's go back to that. Um, and clearly, a uh, lot of questions, not very many answers, going around at the moment. A lot of people trying to position themselves from last year. Uh, from from this year rather to next year, um, not only in P1, although clearly there's going to be some drivers um, available there, and 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 other personnel as well. And good to hear that some of the Audi Sport, Audi Sport personnel, and let's again make the very very clear distinction between Yost and Audi yep. Sport. Uh, Ralph Hutner, um is going back to Yost, from what I've heard. Uh, some of the Audi Sport personnel have already been taken on by Formula One teams. Um, and have a very bright future ahead of them. Um, but in terms of the drivers, what do we know? 
Well, not a lot is the honest answer. There's no answers yet because, of course, it's still still, still new and it's very, very late. But uh, will that you know, throw... Uh, uh, some sticks into the pool. I think it will. We've got the six full season guys, of course, uh, in the LMP1s. There's Rennie Rast, who is also part of the LMP1 programme. And then there's the other guys, including Felipe Albuquerque. We don't know what his contractual position is. What we do know, though, is that, for instance, Oliver Jarvis, uh, you know, LMP1 full season driver's contract was up at the end of this year. Mm. And I think of all the drivers in that septet, if you like, it's Oliver that may be in the most tricky position. Um, for the rest of them, I think Rennie Rass will find his way into a DTM car. I see no reason why he shouldn't. Uh, it would appear that there may be options elsewhere in LMP1, possibly for Andre Lotterer, maybe for Loic Duval. Uh, Lucas Degrassi, of course, has got his uh, his Formula E post with, uh, with Very the Very well did Formula E post as well. Indeed. Uh, that leaves us with Marcel Fesler, Ben Wartrelluay, um, and and Oli Jarvis, and we'll wait and see. Uh, they're all quali- you know they're all people of quality. They're all drivers of high quality. Uh, and but by, by the way, before we leave the driver thing, I don't want us to forget to actually just a moment for to have a quick word about uh, about uh, Dr. Ulrich, mm-hmm. uh, who is going to continue in a transitional role as Dieter Gas takes over. Uh, the head of Audi Sport in 2017. Much as what happened with uh, Dr Ulrich when he started in that job, he shadowed the previous uh, uh, incumbent uh, for quite some time beforehand. Um, But aside from Audi as well, Graham, um, we are uh, pretty certain that there'll be three Toyotas to at least Le Mans, and let's be honest, Nürburgring, it's their home race, probably Nürburgring as well. I would think the European races will see three Toyotas next year. And although Porsche as an entity are seeing no two cars, two cars, two cars, as Porsche corporately, undoubtedly Porsche Motorsport will be making a very strong case to the board. And Andreas Seidel will be knocking on the door of Mr. Muller at VAG and seeing Herr Muller. Um, so you're all right with us being locked out of the podium at Silverstone, Spa, Le Mans and the Nürburgring then, are you? Is that okay for you? And then they will say, yeah, all right, run the third car. So there'll be three Porsches and three out, uh, three uh, Toyotas through till, I reckon, the Nürburgring next year, which opens up a few more seats. Well, we'll wait and see. I think. What do I think about uh, Toyota? I think that is... Um very highly likely and I think the pressure will be on at the moment for the WEC to see how much more of a full season you can get from that third car don't count on it not in any way shape or form but I think they have a plan what do I expect on the driver front there I think we might see Stefan Sarazan step over to the third car as um, uh, you know a man that does know what's with what with another Japanese driver and one other uh, Rio Hirakawa has been long part of that setup. I've been guided away from one or two of my suppositions. There will, <laughs> there will be no Formula One talent uh, aboard a Toyota um, no. for a bit beyond what we've already got. Um, well, the, there was not... no plan to, but um, um, they might have realised that some of them might be a bit cheaper than they thought, so that might it's actually money. change. It's, it's all about game. the money. Mm-hmm. It is, a, is about a money game, and what we don't know is whether or not the opportunity to have an Audi driver around might have changed uh, whatever that plan might be for for Porsche I think we're going to see multiple changes in their full season lineup um, I'm not 
I don't believe that uh, deals have yet been announced or even sniffed out. Every single time the question has been asked uh, to a credible source, the answer's come. Uh, we've got one single um, uh, vacancy because Mark Webber has announced he's stepping down and that we've got two drivers of high quality in uh, Nick Tandy and Earl Bamba, uh, and we'll pick one of those two for that seat, effectively is what's been said. So it'd be no surprises, one of those two will most definitely be in the full season squad. Do I expect to be other changes? Are you yes, sure I... about that? Yes. Okay. I've asked twice now on consecutive WC weekends, and have been given the identical answer now whether or not things change rather those two fellas i suspect the 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 answer to that is in their own hands uh beyond that do i expect there to be other changes in that team yes i do uh i think that will all be wrapped up at the end of the season and we will get an announcement at the night of champions as we normally do yeah 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 exactly. but but certainly you know I, i'm afraid when is that? have we got a date for that yet it's tended to be just be so it's, it's i think first week in december i'm afraid i have what I would call a kind of, you know, a, a policy of ethics on these, John, which is I don't mess with drivers' careers by writing speculative stories. Uh, and I'm sad that other people feel the need to do so. Mm, I think there'll be more than one vacancy at Porsche. I agree. I agree. Um, and uh, we know about Weber. I think there'll be at least one more, um, even if they only run two cars. And they won't run two cars. They will run three cars. I think the, I think the answer, John, to the, to the point you've just made, uh, was reinforced with what happened over the weekend. There is a clear issue at Porsche. Yes, I'd agree. I'd agree with that. Um, I think that's just about. Let me check my notes. I think we're done with uh, with GG. Well, we're not because he needs to nominate his drivers. Oh, uh, are we going to do the nominations tonight? Are we? Do them yes. now if you like. Right. Okay. Uh, but first, a couple of things from Twitter. All right. Uh, okay. Nick Holland says it's a principality. Wales. It is yes. a principality. Um, and he should know that. Um, what else did I see? Uh, not addressed to us, uh, just a general tweet from uh, touring car and sometimes sports car racer Sam Tordoff. Mm-hmm. Uh, why is Grand Designs not on tonight? Yeah. Very tis good on question. It is on tonight. It's not. It's been removed from the schedule. Oh, has it? Mm. Was it something... Did the house fall down? Yeah. Something... Uh, I always like Kevin because when he did the first series, he drove a TVR. Nick's gone very quiet. I've been yeah, that's out. because I turned Kevin didn't drive a TVR in the first series. And I always yes, liked him for that. Really. He's in a BMW. Uh, Johnny Morlam's uh, Racing Travels repeated tonight at half past nine on Sky Sports. It's the, the last one ever. This is the one where time. he picks up his pipe, his slippers, and his tinted travel suite. <laughs> that's it. That's the one. That's it. Um, and uh, one or two people that you might. Uh, recognise on there as well. A couple of people have uh, told me that there are some uh, fantastic thunderstorms going on uh, in Sao Paulo at the moment. Oh really? Mm. Uh, it's going to be a very wet weekend I'm told. And just to prove we're live it's 1-0. Mm. Uh, <laughs> Who to? Notts County um. against Sunderland. Why is Sunderland playing Notts County? It's the Checker Trade EFL Trophy, Northern Group F. Which means that's our under-18 team. Oh, okay. That's right, your under-23 team. Under-23s. Ah, we'll pull through. You might not need to win to go through. I don't I know what the group no looks clue. like. I have, I, I have an issue with in that... Let, uh, um, go on. No, I'm just saying that, yeah. If I say Brackley to you, what do you think of immediately? Uh, Brackley. Town. 
Uh, I think of uh, Bratley Town I know. Football Club. I know. It used to mean only one thing, Mercedes HQ. Now it means the chance of a massive embarrassment after our draw on Saturday. Are you drilling Oh, this is actually another? crucial. We need to play uh, Bratley Town on whenever the replay is, I think, next Tuesday, I suppose, will we? Shall we go over? If you'd beat them the first time, it wouldn't be an issue, Nick. Is it at their place? 2 0 down, yes, it's in Brackley. Well, I think we should go over next Tuesday and report live from the game on Wednesday. I was going to say it's either Tuesday or Wednesday, but I, I just uh, I just despair because I'm sure they'll bring out Ross Braun and, and, and everyone else to try because he's got a book out, you know. He's got a book out, Ross um, Braun. And the rest of the people who used to work at Mercedes are probably now propping up their team, I expect. All right, before we let Graham go, then, Tim. Yes, it's time for this. It's the Man of the Year show music. Yes, it is. Which we need to find a new wor- name for. Yes. Oh, someone did suggest one on Twitter. What do they say? Um, Motorsport of the Year. Motorsport person. I respect Motorsport Human Being of the Year. Oh, well, we have our I Respect Listener Award still. Oh, yes. Which comes later. We'll tell uh, you the show of the year for the race, for the chase, for the cup, for the quest, for the thing. Yeah, perfect. <laughs> Snappy. Snatterly title. Motorsport personality. By the way, I just want to say hello to Racers Marshall Pruitt, who's on the other line. Hey there, Hindy. Oh, flip. Hey, that's good. Just proved that he was there. Stand by, Marshall. We'll be with you in a moment uh, for running in the family part of the show tonight. Right, rattle through these so we can get the Marshall. Okay, place. so the first category will be Driver of the Year. Who's going first? Uh, you can go first, John, if you want. Mine's a Lifetime Achievement Award. There's been a number of these this year that uh, go on to, but I am going to nominate Johnny Morland for our Driver of the Year this year. Uh, Nick, who's your driver of the year? He's not. He's a rider of the year. It's Ooh. Mark Marquez. Yeah, Mark Marquez. Mark Marquez. I think it goes out saying a man who can hold back his natural tendencies to put together a superb championship run on a bike that's not good enough uh, and then prove how much he's holding himself back by after he won it, falling off the next two races. <laughs> Every time. <laughs> uh, Graham, your driver or rider of the year, please. Uh, mine is a breakthrough talent. I think has uh, he's been uh, on the cusp for like a wee while. Three race weekends mm. uh, in a row, three wins in prototypes and GTs. It's Harry Tinkle. Yeah, very good. Also, our uh, motorsport darts player of the year. He'd be so tall, he's virtually at the board, isn't yeah. he? And Sorry. also winner with teammate Andy Prio of the uh, Shanghai Ping Pong Tournament. Yes. Yeah. And it really was. Uh, do you get them as well? Tim, do you get one? I don't know. Oh, okay. Uh, so Marshall? we're looking for the young Marshall. If Marshall has had no time to prepare for this, so Marshall, do you want to nominate a driver of the year for this year? From anywhere? Yes. From anywhere. Male or female? Male or female? Dame. Yeah. Dame Cameron. Dame Cameron. Very good. Very good. Compared to Dame Cameron, she yes. wasn't quite as good. <laughs> oh, I, I, no, no, I, I like Dame Cameron, especially if I can get to dress up like There's it. nothing yeah. like a Dame. There is There's nothing, nothing like, a dame. like a Dame. Uh, our next category is, is Young Driver. Young Driver, under 21 at the start of the season. And we'll start John. with Nick. Oh. I started last time. Go on then. Nick. Max Verstappen. Because he's child of the year. He's the youngest ever winner of a Grand Prix. Doesn't make him any good. It does, actually. No, it doesn't. No, he is. We don't have time for this, Graham. No. Uh, well, Max Verstappen is a good call. I'm going to go for the first ever teenage champion in the FIWC, Matteo Tusha. Ooh, Ooh, very good. Yeah, very good. Private champion. Marshall, young driver of the year, under 21 at the start of the season. 
Yeah, I don't know his age off the top of my head. I could be off by a year, but I think a young fellow Californian by the name of Mr. Menendez, who was, uh, had fantastic success at Le Mans and then in the uh, season-long WCLMP2 register. Uh, again, if we're going strictly by super youth. He's, 20, uh, he's 22. He's well, 22. How old was he at the start of the season? Uh, his, his birthday has just passed. He's got, it's a 20, actually, he's 21 at the start of the there season. There you go. He's there in. He's in. in. <laughs> hey. Gustavo Menezes. Yeah, excellent. Good stuff. Uh, I'm going for a British GT champion, and that's Jamie Chadwick. Again. She ha- she has had a fabulous year again this year, uh, and uh, I think she's still worth a shout for young driver of the year. Non-driver of the year. So any, a role in motorsport other than a driver. Graham. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm torn between two here, to be honest with you. Um, Hart says Dr. Wolfgang or Rick, yeah. because he effectively will be stepping back from our orbit at the end of this year. I mm-hmm. think an honourable mention to Cyril Teichvarland from the Asia Le Mans series for absolutely breaking the mould there and showing uh, our favourite French motoring club the way to go in terms <laughs> of the way that they put together a grid and deal with their customers. But I will, on this occasion, go for... Wolfgang Goldrick. Okay. okay. That's rather spoiled. John? And, um, uh, Marshall next, please. Marshall next, okay. <laughs> Non-driver? This might be a little bit too regional for our audience, no, but I fine. would nominate IndyCar president of competition, Ooh. Jay Fry, Ooh. for yes. helping to spearhead a fairly big turnaround for a series that uh, not too long ago was regarded as getting more wrong than right and finding new and inventive ways to shoot themselves in the foot uh, with Jay's stable hand that uh, IndyCar continues to go from strength to strength with 2016 being the uh, supreme example of his fine work Nick I am going to vote and for someone we hardly ever mention and you're probably surprised I'm going to vote for Carl Haas for putting together the first competitive first year entry in F1 that's very good in forever and it's inc- he obviously been doing it for a number of years and by, by, by saying Carl has I obviously also include the, the team around him but he's a figurehead and he's done a fantastic job and he's uh, managed to produce a competitive car in year one which is impossible yeah uh, John uh, are we keep in mind we're t- are we talking about Carl Haas who fielded the Beatrice F1 entry entry in 1986 <laughs> wrong Haas or, or Gene, Gene Haas. Haas I got the wrong Haas <laughs> Okay. That's why we have you, Marshall. Thank he you. Know what? It's, 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 doesn't it's, know his ass was elbow. <laughs> <laughs> You've been trying to shoehorn that in since the quiz last year. Why, why do I still think it's calling? I've been corrected twice on this already this year. Mm. Have you had your dinner? Yes. <laughs> He's had his dinner. Food had coma. Nice lamb. But well, for Carl Haas for the, uh, the 1976 win with the first National Cities. <laughs> <laughs> lamb, lamb sticks <laughs> with the Beatrice Lowe as well in the air. you're now 40 years out but John <laughs> uh, I am who am I going to go for uh, this year non-driver uh, I am going to go for Doug Feehan uh, the man at the head of the GM programme for keeping GM and Corvette in racing um, but also for, uh, and it's not just for him really, this is another one which is a bit of a Lifetime Achievement Award, 100th win for Corvette Racing this year, when so GM cool. said they never, ever, ever wanted to have a works racing programme with Corvette, 
and Doug Feeham was one of the people who turned their minds around and through that got works racing proper works racing programs out of uh, out of GM for not just Corvette but other brands as well. Uh, it's car of the year. It's the next category, and it's John's turn to go first. Controversial one. This one, I am going to go for a car that was built specifically to do something, went out and did it, and is continuing to do it on the tracks that it was built to do things it's on. It's the VW Polo, isn't it? It is indeed the Ford GT. <laughs> I'm going to go for the Ford GT as the car of the year. Nick? Because I think it moves on the uh, moves on the genre. Well, I think that I'm going to go for the car that's won every single race bar two, and it didn't mean one of those because the two of them hit each other, and it didn't mean the other one because it had a uh, someone blew the engine up deliberately, and that is the uh, Mercedes <laughs> uh, W07. Which is the best? It is now the best Formula One car ever with wins. Marshall. It's only because they have seventy-six no, no, rounds in no, each. No, 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 yeah. still did it. Marshall. Car of the year. I'd have to go with a Porsche 919. I mean, we Ooh. saw Audi invest everything it had, financially and intellectually, into the R18 to try and topple that car, and it couldn't. We had Toyota say we're going back to the drawing board with engine, with aero, with everything. Both of Porsche's uh, rivals, after being thoroughly beaten in 2015, threw everything they had to beat the uh, the 919 hybrid in 2016. And guess what? It ha- it hasn't happened. Uh, other than you know uh, one win here, one win there. But bottom line, 919 still kicking behind. Aaron Graham. <laughs> Uh, I'm afraid I'm going to uh, disappoint all of you by actually nominating two, and for good reason. One <laughs> on its way in, the other one on its way out, and actually both on the same grid. The one on its way in for the impact it's made on the world stage across the world of sports Ooh, I, racing. I know this one, yep. It's the Ligier JSP3. You cannot argue yep. with 76 cars actually sold in a single year. Mm-hmm. Uh, do, the do, they all, do they all come with a free trombone? Mm-hmm. They do indeed. Um, the uh, one on its way out is an individual car. Not it's the it, it is the mighty 38. It is the uh, the Gibson, effectively the final successful open top LMP2 car in the world. Uh, uh, aside from in the Asia Le Mans series where they'll still continue for a little while longer but the Mighty 38 an astonishing achievement from that team and with that car uh, to bring home the European Le Mans series championship in a fantastic uh, ending round but I'm going to nominate both of those Team of the Year Nick Uh, Mercedes F1 for being just really much better than being Mercedes me much better than everyone else who's also throwing shed loads of money at it so you're the best team at throwing money at, at you. spending the money that's thrown at you. Yeah. John. Uh, this is another Lifetime Achievement Award, not necessarily for what's happened this year. Uh, your Stoudy Sport. Uh, Marshall. Yeah, out of my mouth, John. Yeah, sorry, don't, mate. <laughs> don't go hide. I actually, I thought you might, so I'd actually got a second one backed up. Good. And, uh, I'm going to go for Toyota. Yeah. Who raced? Why? Because. What te- it's what teams do when you get it wrong you work hard and you get it right and for anybody to bounce back from the, the absolutely crushing finish to the Le Mans 24 hours and come back and win that same season is some going to do so and finish this season in fine form and just lift us when we really needed it sports car racing it's Tota yeah that was mine if I was asked after you funny enough well done <laughs> Marshall team of the year Oh, this one's really easy, and I would say that they, uh, pardon the expression, trump all of your choices. Oh, that, that would be that would be Team Penske. 
50th mm. anniversary, mm-hmm. won 10 out of 16 IndyCar races, three of its four drivers won races, they finished 1-2-3 in the championship. Uh, in terms of domination, uh, especially on such a fine anniversary, being their 50th year in competition, 1-2-3, the title, in just destroying everybody else in their wake. Uh, I can't think of anybody else that put in better work than our friends from Team Penske. Yeah, uh, they're the, all right. They're no Toyota, though, are they? The final category is Race of the Year, and we're going to ask Marshall this one first. Your Race of the Year. Well, sorry to maintain the uh, national slant here, mm. but having been there, uh, having observed it and having felt it, the 100th Indianapolis 500 won yes. by Alexander Oof. Rossi in once-in-a-lifetime circumstances. I mean, I've been a, was there for Le Mans. Uh, my heart is, continues to sink for Toyota, but uh, yeah, both. Uh, last lap essentially dramas but for the the 150 500 I think that one uh, boy we'll be talking about that for a long time Graham uh, well he took the words out of my mouth almost again it's the Le Mans 24 hours oh. for mm. I'm sorry guys, <laughs> for, a, for a, I, I'll tell you I'll, tell you what, I'll G- just talk for 30 seconds <laughs> no, yeah, no. please do it was <laughs> it was a, it was a fantastic GTE race in controversial circumstances. Yep. Um, there was dramas up and down the field, but there will never ever again be a finish like that in any significant motor race. True. Uh, delighted to have witnessed it. It was awful for lots of people we care about, uh, but you can't beat drama, and it just seems drama. Insurance, insurance racing continues to uh, to tell it out uh, in the most dramatic circumstances so for me it's 2016 Le Mans 24 hours John uh, when I get asked this question and this will be something I'm going to say in a talk I'm giving in the next few weeks I normally say the last race I saw when people say what's the best race you've ever seen because it has been like that recently however the one that sticks out massively this year that I've been at and seen um, rather than ones I've watched on the TV, and there are there have been a couple of very, very good ones that I've watched on the TV, including the Bathurst 1000, um, mm. and and indeed the Bathurst 12 Hours, which I was at this year. Both of those were high up in the running, but I've got to say, for a race that held my attention even more than usual for the whole six hours as it was in probably three out of the four classes for the whole of that time was Fuji WEC and probably the best ever LMP2 race I've seen. An extraordinary race at the front of the field, yes. A brilliant LMP2 field. All right, Ford dominated slightly in GTE Pro, but that was very impressive, particularly by Andy uh, Prior and Harry Tinknell. Uh, GTM would kept us interested. Just a brilliant six hours. Uh, finally, Nick Damon. Well, okay. He's now on to his <laughs> 16th choice. Well, I'm going to, I am going to say, um, without a doubt, that I, 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 well, some by choices may have gone. So I am going to choose a race I actually saw. And I know for a fact that none of you did because it was scale motorsport. Ah. And I am going to choose the European Championship final of the 1 8th buggy off-road champion an hour of fantastic driving and I will in the next week stick it up on the, on the collective yeah, so you can do watch it, now. it as well do it now um, but it was a great hours of racing right okay. um, 
because I saw it and it was fabulous. But I actually, the last race I saw live was one of the worst races I've ever seen. Which is what? Bruno. Ah, uh, well, the second half wasn't great, yes. <laughs> Uh, oh, that's a good point. Because so no, those are our 24 nominees. Yep. Voting for that will open during next week's show and will close uh, the following Tuesday. Right. And we'll I disagree with you, Tim? There's 25 nominees. I know we did two cars. That is true, yes. <laughs> 25 nominees. Such uh, a pedant. <laughs> yeah, but, but correct, John, but correct. <laughs> All right. Uh, and we'll close yeah. on Tuesday and we'll announce winners <laughs> in our show on Wednesday, the 23rd of November. Well, uh, how the, are we working the Listener Award? Tim? The other part of this is a Listener Award, which we'll the also Irish announce during that show. Right. Uh, and we'll tell you the three shortlisted candidates on next week's show. Right. But we need to know who you want on that shortlist. Uh, and Nothing to do with any of us, this one. And this is entirely up to the listener. So, if you want to nominate someone that you think should be shortlisted for the I Respect Listener Award, you need to tweet at Radio Le Mans with the hashtag M-O-T-Y. Right. And that is the person that you think has contributed to motorsport the most in the last 12 months. Is that reasonable? Correct. Right. Okay. It could be somebody that we've mentioned, but it doesn't have to be, of course. Uh, it, mi- it could be a driver. It doesn't have to be. So whoever you think has contributed most from your point of view as a listener to this program to motorsport, whichever branch of it or all of it lumped together, uh, that is your I Respect uh, Listener Award nominee. And that's at Radio Le Mans, hashtag M-O-T-Y, please. Start voting now. And the voting um, will end. When did you say, Tim? Uh, that vote. The uh, nominations will close during next week's show, and then we'll announce our shortlist. Right, and then everybody gets to, to uh, vote, vote on the short on list. the website uh, for the whole of the following week. Uh, and we'll also be getting some uh, top international polling companies uh, to uh, get it completely wrong. Get it completely wrong. Yes. Thank you very much indeed, and thanks to Graham Goodwin for being with us tonight. Cheers, mate. Speak to you next week. Absolutely. Loved it again. Uh, good night, all. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the Chinese way leaves us, and we are left with uh, Running in the Family, uh, which is uh, the part of the show with Marshall Pruitt from racer.com. Uh, we'll dive into uh, the sports car news, first of all. The Running in the Family is more about IndyCar, but let's dive into the sports car news. And most of this is things that we have been talking about, Marshall, but finally have come out into or nearly into the public domain and the mg mercedes-benz have been out testing they have and congratulations for them confirming one of the uh the worst held secrets in north american (laughs) sports cars uh yeah good on them Uh, what we've known about heindy and what you know you've spoken about many of us have spoken about for a while uh riley motorsports will be the uh, the agent of facilitation behind uh, the Mercedes-AMG, the uh, Mercedes-Benz USA uh, effort in IMSA's GT Daytona category. We will have the Mercedes-AMG Team Riley entry that is uh, spearheaded by uh, the good Ben Keating and uh, the super rapid Aaron Bleakmullen. And uh, as I uh, mentioned last month, uh, the WeatherTech Racing Team 
uh, is not only back in IMSA after a hiatus, um, but they have indeed switched camps from Alex Job Racing to Riley. Uh, they'll be running the number 50 car, Cooper McNeil, and uh, Gunnar Jeanette will lead that effort. So uh, we are glad to see that Riley has uh, something to continue with after the uh, the... I guess the winding down of its Dodge Viper related program with Ben and also good to see that uh, there's been another team in the uh, Sun Energy one entry uh, that has been confirmed. So that would be three Mercedes AMG GT threes. And uh, according to our German friends, there are more uh, waiting to be revealed. So I I think if we're talking about IMSA Heindy in 2014, how there was uh, you know, a big call for all interested parties to tell us what class you want to run in because we might have to cap some things or we might might be oversubscribed. I don't know if we're going to reach that point in GTD mm-hmm. next season, knowing that we also have Lexus coming in, we have Acura coming in, plus the majority of the other entries. But we can say for sure that, wow, just in sheer numbers, not only will GTD continue to lead IMSA, uh, IMSA's WeatherTech Championship in uh, sheer volume, but all the, it's growing and I think that says something, right? Customer cars, yep. Pro-Am, the, uh, the entry-level GT class is uh, continues to take off. And the biggest growth that we're seeing uh, are from works, either pretty much direct works programs or, or serious works affiliated programs. It's an interesting angle. And I know we said that uh, we might need to dedicate an entire show to should GT3 racing become a bastion for factories hmm. or for customers as we thought it was intended. But I can tell you that... Uh, the numbers and the increase for next year are certainly have some very strong brand attachment to them. The, the good news for IMSA is, even if it does become a bastion of works entries, factory entries, Marshall, there's Continental Tire to fall back on. Now, albeit that is, albeit that is GT4, but frankly, that's not the worst thing that could happen for a lot of non-pro drivers. These GT3 cars are pretty hairy beasties uh obviously a little bit easier to drive than they might have been without traction control and and uh an abs braking but nevertheless if that becomes well i suppose that the problem would be is if manufacturing money starts draining out of gtlm and into gt daytona that's the big fear right uh gtlm we know that uh the American version of GTE is is and has been IMSA's pride and joy uh, since it came uh, came together in 2014. And yeah, for those who just love manufacturer-based warfare, it's the go-to class. But we also see that compared to spending, you know, high seven-figure, possibly eight-figure mm. sums to do that. Well, what if you could do that on a much smaller and more cost-effective scale? What if you could uh, bring that GTLM program down to GTD and actually have more of a customer program? And you're spending, uh, again, I'm just general numbers, but I don't know, half, maybe less than half? That's the concern. Uh, I, what I would hate to see, and I think many of us would hate to see, is manufacturers choosing to trade in their costly GTLM efforts for uh uh, lower-profile GTD uh, programs, but just by the numbers, you'd have to believe that at least one would consider doing it. So, mm. you know, uh, it, it's a question that IMSA is going will probably need to answer. Uh, whether they do that voluntarily beco- before it co- becomes a problem, and too many manufacturers start to choose GTD, either stepping down from GTLM or just coming in from scratch, 
it, you know, I don't know if that's the right place for them. I don't believe it is, but uh, IMSA will let us know whether they agree or whether they will just let that proliferation continue. Um, yeah, that's a fair point and well made. There are a dozen cars testing at Daytona in the official, but not raw before the 24 test. The official test is, is that next week? I think it is. Um, yeah, 14, 15. Yeah, um, about a dozen cars testing there. Um, it's a bit of an odd one because the 16th, we see Mazda's DPI being launched in California at the Elliott Auto Show. Does that mean that that car won't be there or it just won't be there officially? From what I understand, it won't be there. Wow. Uh, I, I, I would expect. Missing that test. Well, keep in mind there's a second one in the middle, you know, middle-ish of December as well. Yeah, so okay, from, good point. So from yeah. everything I know, uh, this test was never anticipated to be uh, heavily subscribed. Of the 12 entries, nine are GTD. Uh, we have Acura showing up, so they'll be putting in some miles. It's mostly familiar faces. There are a few new faces, actually, in GTD team-wise, but there's one prototype. Uh, uh, Pierre One Matheson will be there um, in Elysee. There'll be one. There's one PC entered for uh, Bar One Motorsport. There's one BMW entered by uh, BMW Team RLL. But for the most part, it's uh, Pro Am GTD teams. Uh, what I do expect is the December test prior. So it's well, this is the pre 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 roar coming up. The pre pre roar, which is middle of December, I think that one is where we're going to see most, if not all, entries uh, in DP. PIs and uh, WEC P2s, etc. show up for that. And then the 100% complement of cars for the uh, the big official roar, roar test early in January. Uh, yes, uh, that's very interesting. Uh, let's see how that works. Still don't know when that uh, Cadillac DPI is going to be rolled out. Is that going to be all the way till the Detroit Auto Show then, do we think now? Uh, again, from... From what we heard back in September, uh, they were also planning on an LA Auto Show debut. Uh, they are uh, among all the uh, DPI manufacturers, and there's only three, but they are the most secretive of the three. So uh, I have not heard if they are going to stay on that timeline, and if so, we would have. Uh, we know that a month ago, or a little over a month ago, we were told to expect both Cadillac and Mazda announcing at the same event. Uh, I haven't heard anything to tell me that Cadillac won't, but, uh, again, they could have changed that, and they uh, probably wouldn't be sharing that with anybody as well if they did. Uh, let's talk a little bit about IndyCar, I think. Uh, the Running in the family thing was a reference to Connor Daly getting a drive. Finally, deserves it. Yeah, that's been in the works for a little while. The uh, He is expected to drive one of the two A.J. Foyt uh, racing entries. We know he'll be in one. We just don't know which number, but uh, he will be uh, representing the team. He started his IndyCar career with the team at the 2013 Indy 500, impressed the team thoroughly, and uh, let's say that it looked like he was locked into this uh, for a while. And we thought that might be able to confirm this last week and then heard that there was a new fascination with Luca Filippi as a uh, candidate to take over the car. And uh, it, it would appear that uh, the man whose name is uh, on the door, AJ himself, um, I, I guess overruled any suggestions of other drivers and tabbed Connor. So fantastic for him. 
that team, I think, is, is seriously heading places, uh, not only with a move to Chevy, which should provide them with uh, more speed than what they've had, but Carlos Munoz, one of the most promising young IndyCar drivers, and now Connor uh, to represent the team. Plus, they're looking to do a fairly sizable engineering overhaul, uh, which has been one of the other big areas that they have suffered. So don't know if they're going to get everybody they want on the uh, the knob turning in, Hindy. That's mm. uh, an issue facing IndyCar right now. Uh, the, hey, we want to hire a really good engineer. Do you know anybody that are available? Uh, I've actually referred some of those people making inquiries uh, to those within the Audi Sport program who might yeah. be looking for something different because there's a, a genuine vacuum of, of proven, talented, race-winning uh, open-wheel engineers sitting here on the sidelines. So uh, good on him. Uh, we've also had Ed Jones, the Dubai-based Brit, uh, confirmed as the uh, new teammate for Sebastian Bourdais at uh, Dale Coyne Racing coming off of his recent Indy Lights Championship. So young talent, good talent, uh, young drivers that I think uh, for anybody that follows American Open Wheel, um, so far at least, I think it'd be hard-pressed to say that kid doesn't uh, have the talent or doesn't belong in the conversation for these types of rides. We've seen that in the past where we've kind of groaned and said, no, well, that's a, a waste of a seat. But uh, so far, everything's looking pretty darn good on the uh, terms of talent, Heidi. Yeah. Uh, tell me about the silly season. It is the silly season. What is going What's the most bizarre rumor that you've heard uh, recently? Everybody's leaving and going to Formula E? Uh, what? No, not yet. Uh, I don't know if, if strange is the word. A little bit out of left field, possibly. Uh, Max Chilton uh, was expected to sign a contract to stay with Chip, Chip Ganassi, Ganassi Racing yeah. for his second year. Uh, the team had said that they were thinking that would all get wrapped up. Sponsor, sponsor being affiliated with Max's father, would uh, come through. Everything would be buttoned up at some point in time in September. That didn't happen. Things have been very quiet on that front. Heard uh, recently and had, uh, again, someone uh, with knowledge this morning tell me that uh, it looks like things are still could be headed in that direction. Would not be surprised if Max does come back to drive that fourth entry, but I've also heard that, uh, again, maybe out of left field, Felix Sorales, who drove for Carlin and Indy Lights, won two races this year, finished sixth in the championship, and played an integral role in helping uh, Ed Jones to win the championship at Mazda Raceway Laguna Seca, have heard that he is uh, shopping a bigger budget than Max oh. and uh, has entered the frame as one of two, or between himself and Max, uh, the two of them holding the most realistic uh, opportunities to pay for that seat and use it next year. Uh, so, again, maybe nothing in the, in the way of, of shockers here. I can tell you if there is one giant shocker, it's that, uh, which I, I mentioned yesterday, it's early November and both Dale Coin racing entries are secured. Yeah. This is usually a walking through the paddock at the opening race to see whose name is on the second car <laughs> uh, type scenario with Dale. Uh you, you mean know, what letters are being uh, what what stickers are letters are being put on it as you're walking past it, in fact. Yeah, the uh, the the seven-person deep arm wrestling match to see who gets the ride for the opening round. So we've never seen this before in 20-something years, to my recollection, where both drivers are slotted in, and that's the maybe the final takeaway, Heidi. 
there's a couple of seats left in IndyCar to fill for next season. It's that fourth Ganassi ride. Uh, it's what is going to happen with KV Racing. Will they be back? If so, in what shape or form? Uh, and that that entry would potentially be open. It's the road course entries with uh, Ed Carpenter Racing. And beyond that, we're just about done with filling what's available and what folks can either be hired to drive or uh, pay to get into. Um, I'm hearing that there's a possibility of one other team expanding so that there could be something there. But you know, again, mate, on November 9th, the 2017 IndyCar grid is almost secured. Unbelievable. Uh, yeah, th- at least for this series. And this is maybe goes back to my nominating Jay Fry for really just mm. helping a general turnaround for the series. Uh, That's a good call. Yeah. Uh, in place. Most of the grid is set. Um, yeah, I'm just going to be able to take about a month and a half off and, and get a lot of rest. Uh, if only, if only we could do the same thing. Um, something that I missed out, and I apologise, uh, in the sports car news, uh, particularly for IMSA as well. Um, we talked last week about what was happening at Magnus Racing, still considering their options. But another one of the great privateer teams of IMSA Racing, Paul Miller Racing, have confirmed. Uh, their participation in IMSA next year. Yeah, fantastic there. And at a time where (laughs) we're trying to figure out what is going to be similar and what is going to be different, and there's been a lot of different coming uh, on the uh, IMSA GTD side, it's kind of nice to be able to say, hey, you remember everything you saw last year with that team? There is nothing different. Drivers, car, T, just everything. It's all good. It's all good. So um, that's uh, that's something that's making me pretty happy. And then we have another quick thing, too, which I thought was fun. Uh, not related to IMSA, but Brian Herta, our friend Brian yes. Herta, who's been retired for eight years, uh, is returning to the cockpit with his son Colton in a Genetta G57 at uh, December's 25 Hours of Thunder Hill. Yeah, so quick, we had a quick word about that earlier on, but that's fantastic. G57, of course, being the LMP3 car, but with the honking big V8 in the back, which is a fantastic yeah. idea. And he told me he's doing it for one reason and one reason alone, and that's to uh, the opportunity to drive with his son, uh, which he's never ha- had a chance to do before, and Colton's obviously taking off. So, yeah, sorry that I missed that earlier, but that was I did a little happy dance when I saw that because uh, <laughs> knowing how Brian's driving career ended, and you were there when uh, mm-hmm. he was... Uh, dropped uh, without warning by uh, Andretti Andretti Green at that time in the 2008 ALMS season. It'd be nice for Brian to maybe uh, go out on his own terms uh, in prototypes. Um, Marshall, just before I let you go on very quickly, um, because I was on a bizarre time zone at the weekend uh, and because of what happened at Texas, I actually got to see quite a lot of the rain-delayed NASCAR race uh, from Texas Motor Speedway. Uh, whilst I was in China, um, it was it was live on, I suppose that would have been Monday morning, um, whilst I was waiting for, and then after I'd done the highlights of the, the WEC race, voice those. Um, what do we think about this, uh, the new race for the chase for the cup for the knockout thing, and how is it, how is it going down to uh, of the potential for, for the end of the season? Jimmy Johnson... Uh, and then the weekend's uh, winner as well, Carl Edwards, in there. Is it working? Is it holding up as far as a sporting spectacle is concerned? Uh, 
I think in light of some of the other changes we have just experienced in North America, Heindy, um, I and just the general hostility and rancor of a prolonged election cycle, <laughs> I don't I don't know if the true independent and isolated uh, review of how this the most recent iteration of the uh, Sprint Cup chase has played out has really been captured. So mm. I don't mean for that to be a non-answer. In no. reality, no, at least from what I've seen, heard, and read, there hasn't been, you know, uh, oh my goodness, screaming and yelling, and this is the worst thing ever, or hey, this is the best thing ever. Uh, I just, yeah, I think with so much else preoccupying the average person's mental space, the fact that nothing crazy bad, uh, yeah. crazy good or crazy bad has developed uh, on the chase side, I think that might be a reason that I haven't seen much in the way of the rapid fire commenting about it. Copy that. Um, the context of the times we're in right now, I think uh, maybe would be shielding folks uh, greater concern or, or uh, derision. Uh, yeah, I'm a tough time for anything outside the general election uh, in the States. Maybe things will settle down a little bit. I'll ask you that question maybe again uh, in the near future. Marshall Pro from Racer.com, thank you very much indeed for joining us tonight. Thanks, brother. MP, then, uh, always good to hear his voice. And I will uh, post the link to the Racer.com uh, IndyCar uh, silly season update uh, in just a, a moment or two's time. If you're following at Specutainment, you'll get that uh, uh, on uh, on the, your timeline. Tim Gray, you've got seven minutes left to the end of the show, a little bit more than that, but uh, fire away with what you've got for the end of the show. Since we stopped doing Formula One news earlier in the show... Yeah. Uh, the FIA has published uh, the <laughs> list of people who'll be taking part in the Friday press conference. Oh, really? Is it Lewis? Has he got Snapchat? Um, who might be told to watch what he says in the press conference? Uh, Sebastian Vettel. Sebastian Vettel. Vettel is correct. And who might be sitting immediately beside him? Uh, Max Verstappen. No. Older. Danny oh, Danny Rick. Danny Rick. Older. Felipe Massa. Not a driver. Huh? Hey, Danny always, Sullivan. There are always drivers on the on the Thursday press conference. Charlie Whiting. Oh, very good. No oh, way. they've done that again, have they? It's like Charlie in that one. Very good. They love a bit of uh, drama, don't they? They so do. They'll don't be on they? the front row, and will Danny Rick will be di- directly behind him then? I'm not sure where. Uh, who else uh, was in there? Because I, uh, I thought, oh, that's good, and uh, then didn't see who the other four people were. Uh, the football has finished, and there has Who been won? a change. Massive turnaround uh, in the score. Uh, was it at Nottingham? Or was it our place? It was at Sunderland. Oh, really? And it's finished two-one to Sunderland. Excellent. Which means that Sunderland go through to the next round by virtue of finishing second in their group. Excellent. Uh, next, uh, I'm going to play you a compilation of Ooh. five bits of popular music. Oh, okay. And uh, when you think you know which city we're talking about, oh, God. Uh, oh, I'd that like was you the to just and last shout and it so out. Right, okay. Scotland, baby. 
guess what? Nice. It's all of Tim's work picks for It's good. Have you guessed it yet? No. All right. I'll ask you first, then, John. Miami. It is Miami. Hundred thousand dollar cars. Everybody got them. Pool suit clear. You what was can see the, um, the bottom? What was the, the classy bit of music then? The middle one, the mm. third one. That was Mel Torme, the Miami Waltz. Uh, okay. Do you recognise the others? The one was the theme to Miami Vice. Yes, yeah. by Jan Hammer. Uh, and then one was Will Smith. Will, Will Smith, Smith Miami, Jane, the yeah. Fresh Prince of whatever. And the first two, no. Uh, the first one was uh, U2, a song called Miami. I don't like U2. And uh, the second one was uh, also called Miami <laughs> and by Counting Crows. Right, let's move on. Why are you playing Miami? Uh, because that's where the Race of Champions takes place in January. Ah. The week before Dear Tourner. How convenient. 24 hours, yes. Uh means that anyone who wanted to go there could uh, do both. Could yes, it would be a great double weekend. And then the following weekend, you could jump on a plane to LAX and get American Airlines 73 direct to uh, Sydney. You could, and then uh, have the long drive to Bathurst. It's not that long, it's just slow. It's a slow drive, because most of it's yeah. 30 or 40 miles an hour. Clicks. Pretty <laughs> clicks? That's hardly moving. Uh, so we have some driver announcements for the race of champions. Excellent. We'd all, Massa. We already knew about Felipe Massa, uh, Sebastian Vettel, Vettel Buck, yeah. yeah, Juan Pablo Montoya, Ryan Hunter Ray, and Tony Canaan. Right, how many of those are actually champions this year? Is that what it's supposed to be? It's no, it's, be. it's like the Champions League. They've all been champions at some point. All right, except Felipe Massa. They've got. Um, isn't Alexander Rossi no, turning no, up as Felipe well? Felipe Massa. Oh, no, you're right. Felipe Massa finished second to Jimmy Bruni in uh, mm. Italian Formula 3000, isn't he? Yeah, sure. he fin- I think, more importantly, he finished second to Lewis Hamilton to the World Championship, Tim. Yes. That was thanks to Timo Glock, of course. <laughs> he, he was champion for 24 seconds. Well, no, he wasn't, because the race hadn't finished. But it could he have finished. That. He says that. It was, it, if he would have been champion had it not been for Timo Glock finding reverse instead of At the of start six. of every season, I'm champion until somebody proves I'm not racing and someone actually yeah, starts. Exactly right. <laughs> exactly right. Anyway, carry on. Uh, Scott Speed. Yeah. The most misnamed person in the world. <laughs> Two-time Global Rallycross champion. Twice. Is that the good Rallycross or the bad Rallycross? That's the IMG rally cross. That's the television rally cross, not the world rally cross. Okay, right. Uh, Which one's got Ken Block? This one. GRE is Ken Block. Okay. Right. Um, and also uh, Indy 500 winner Alex Rossi. I just said that. You weren't listening. He's a champion of the Indy 500. Yes, well. Yes. So, is Fettel the only confirmed... Current, current Formula 1 driver yes yeah. Massa is no he won't be then He's he won't be current no. Formula 1 driver then yeah alright ok he won't be in that season no. ok he's being pedantic again alright that's what we do best alright <laughs> uh, moving on and is that, sorry I've got one more question is it uh-huh. a is it a another stadium based event it is a stadium based event we knew that already a track. Oh, I didn't know that you're um, not not part of the gig like you are Champions.com. Uh, just hearing as well, by the way, that the uh, calendar clash between FIA WEC 
at the Nürburgring and Formula E, uh, the they will not be moving the Nürburgring. The there is no other deal they can move We to. already knew that. Yes, but we haven't talked about it. Ah. Uh, we talked about it a couple of weeks ago, didn't we? No, we talked about the fact that it shouldn't be moved because it affected very few drivers on the grid. And if they moved it one week, there would be it an would issue lots more people. with the ELMS. The, the actual situation on it is actually nothing to do with the ELMS, as it, although it sort of is, but it isn't. Um, they need, the teams have told the FIAWEC that they need a minimum of four weeks after Le Mans. Correct. And, uh, which is so that weekend is the first date it can be. Yes. And the problem is that that is the last of the European races, and so all of the cars are heading out to the f- to the first of the American races straight afterwards. And they, to keep the costs down, of course, it's boat. on the boat. On a boat. So they mm. can't move it back. Kurt Busch, uh, Tom Christensen, um, Travis Pastrana, Peter Solberg. Uh, I'm far more interested in the race of champions and celebrities in Austin A35s at the Silverstone Historic Festival. Ah, now I this is interesting as well. This is magnificent. I, magnificent have, a, I idea. have a question for the collective. Right. Because obviously those A35s were running very successfully at the at Goodwood as well. Yes. Why is it of all the cars that have been made in the past 60, 70 years, We've settled at the Austin A35, A40 Farina series. Is there one they're going to have lots of them as a race series of? Because, because there are still lots of them. There's still lots of no, them There's around. still lots of lots of things. There's, there's, there's millions a lot. of minis. Yeah, but minis is too obvious. And minis people would cheat too much with. People are already cheating with A35s and A40 Farinas as well. First ever hatchback, of course, the A40 Farina. I mean, it's, it's an interesting. Ch- I just wonder why, whether there was what the rhyme nor reason of it was actually they settling look, on. They that. look like an old car, but you can make them fairly reliable and quite quick. And the rear wheel drive, which makes them a bit more funny. So the team drive. captains, because this is a team race. Are team captains car drivers, aren't they? Are Andrew Jordan, yeah. who obviously owns an A35. Yeah. Um, so he might have a little bit of an advantage. Right. Uh, Gordon Shedden, reigning British yep. Touring Car Championship for the third time. And mm-hmm. Rob Gravitt. Rob, uh, you see, I think, now I accept that a I am A man who's not never officially retired. Well, I accept... Like Nigel Mansell. I accept that I am not a celebrity in the uh, area of quite a lot of the people who have been mentioned here. But you want to go. But <laughs> I want to go. And <laughs> these, I think these, I should be These are not celebrities. Um, I want to be in Rob Gravitt's team because originally, back in 1995, mm. when I took my first ARDS test, he was my instructor in an Escort uh, Cosworth at Silverstone. He was the man who started that it. That, to me, is basically... It's obvious, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, that's, that's, that's a sort of fact me, you can't deny. in an A35 around Silverstone Grand Prix circuit, what could possibly go wrong? But Can I throw you some of the uh, celebrities you could be racing against if you're accepted? Heston Blumenthal's name is the one I noticed. Heston Blumenthal, Wayne Gardner. Paul Hollywood? Right. I'm sure he's down there, isn't he? Uh, Stan he's Boardman. Stan right. Boardman? Yeah. Yes. Doesn't he, do, no, doesn't he prefer to go in, in uh, flying with, with Fockers? Isn't that what he normally does? Yeah. Theopophetus. I don't know who Dragon's that is. Den. Right, I don't know who that is. He, he owned Ryman and uh, Knickerbox and Tyrak and All right. things like that. Still don't know who uh, he And Dennis Couldn't Taylor. Like Dennis Taylor with his glasses on upside down, the snooker player. That's a very eclectic choice of celebrities. Isn't it? More to be added. 
Gee, I think I could actually having said that, other than Heston Blumenthal, I think I could probably put more tickets on the gate just for people to come oh, and see me. Really. No, no, no. Dennis Taylor is very popular. Dennis Taylor is very popular. Very think? popular. Still? Yeah. Do people not think he's dead? Oh no. He's on a. He's doing a reality show in oh, a couple of weeks. Is time. He really? I was. The, uh, uh, he's going to go to India and do pretend to be retired. Collective, if you're listening. Get on to the people who are organising the A35 challenge and tell them you want me in the car. I was at a wedding a couple of months ago and got right. talking to a woman uh, and it turns out that she uh, works for the company that organises the Silverstone Classic. Which is Grove PR or somebody. It's it? Goose Events. Goose Events, there we go. Uh, but she was very drunk, so she probably doesn't remember very anything very about very it. Which is, which is just as well, eh, Tim? Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> particularly after that restraining order. Yes, yes. That's your lot for tonight. <laughs> but, uh, just, <laughs> just to let you know that uh, we've got some big news next week Ooh. about something that happens the week after hey? the Le Mans 2016 movie. Uh, the official movie is coming out. The premiere will be at Le Mans. Uh, I'll be there for that, uh, and uh, that will be Thursday in two weeks' time, and we've got some news on that next week for you, uh, but it is going to be streamed, that's all I'm saying. Uh, so that more news on that next week, uh, giving you the opportunity to be a part of that world premiere event. But there's no time to explain. Uh, because the lava is off to find an A35. Yes. This programme is a Radio Show Limited production. Tell your friends there's more at RadioLeMond.com. The RadioLeMond.com Travel Club is the best way to get to the biggest motorsport events. Ready-made packages or bespoke itineraries for Le Mans, Daytona, Sebring, the Nürburgring, Spa and Bathurst and many more. We've got them all covered so you can be there. Accommodation, flights, ferries, trains and the all-important race tickets. Our travel partners are APTA and Atoll Bonded so you can book with confidence. Start planning your trip today with the Radio Le Mans Travel Club at RadioLeMans.com.